embark on a journey into the unknown, where two or more are gathered to discuss what you are afraid of. This is Nigel the Goat speaking, along with your host, Davey Wavy, and we welcome you to the Red Pill Cartel Podcast, where crazy feels like home. tell you a little bit about nothing that was not an ad drop because I don't do ads here unless there's people that need help those are the only ads you're gonna get here but anyway I got mr. Ryan Alexander from the notice podcast here he's also an author and he's a uh, he's in the, the business of health not allopathic doctors uh, but he, he he comes on and he fucking kills this show with uh, a lot of advice for myself and a lot of advice for probably all you guys too. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, this guy is awesome. I uh, learned about him through a listener of mine and a, a former guest, uh, um, Nancy, who is a beekeeper. Shout out, Nancy. I love you. Um, yeah, but he had, she sent me this awesome uh podcast with him from uh him doing a a, a, an interview with a freemason and it was awesome he asked amazing questions and it was so cool and i and it just so happened that i reached out to him and then we so happened to be on master debaters together through uh matt t's uh master debaters and uh yeah so it it was a wild ride and uh I'm going to have to listen back to this show because I never do that really unless I have a, uh, unless I do a, uh, you know, like a promo or whatever, like a reel, but I have to listen back to this one because there's a lot of information that I probably drifted off on while I was letting him talk. But anyway, I hope you guys get something out of this and hopefully it like helps you with your health too. And, uh, you know, without further ado, here's Ryan Alexander from Notice Podcast. And uh, smoke a fat doobie, uh, whatever you call it, blunt, what, I don't know what the fucking kids call it these days. Uh, drink a couple beers or three or four or a shot of whiskey, whatever you got to do to relax and enjoy the show. Thank you. Welcome back, Cartel, to yet another episode. Uh, I believe it's 109 right now, and uh, very cool guest today. I found him on the Notice podcast, uh, where he had an awesome fucking episode interviewing a Freemason, and um, that was sent to me by a friend of mine, a listener of mine, and I checked it out, and I was like, I like this guy, and then got on the uh, Master Debaters with him last week, and here he is, Mr. Ryan Alexander. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you for awesome. having me. I was saying yeah. before we started that it's uh, it's cool to talk to a local. We're both from the Toronto area, and uh, I don't know why that just it seems like a, a different kind of episode for me. I speak to people all over the world, and you probably do as well. 
Oh yeah, for sure, dude. It's this uh, platform that I have has allowed me to reach out to people from, I would say around the world, not all over the world. Uh, I've had guests on like from Australia and New Zealand and uh, Mexico and all kinds of places, man. It's just, it's really, really cool. Cool. Well, I feel like uh, I'm talking to a local. Yeah, it's, it's something weird about it. I don't know. Most people probably don't understand the Toronto kind of culture or something, but it feels different. Yeah. And it's, the, the weird thing for me, I don't know about how your uh, listener base is, but most people are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and all over everywhere else. And it seems like Canada is so lacking. I don't know why. It's so strange to me. Yeah, across all platforms, I get about as across all platforms, I get about twice as much listeners from India and yeah, all over the place, Indonesia and Africa. Lots of African followers. Lots of people from Colombia and Mexico. Very few Canadians. Why do you think that is? Because I've been trying to like wrap my brain around it. It's like, I guess we're just too, I don't know. I guess the it's a niche, uh, kind of niche uh, market for this, these kind of topics, I guess. But it just seems to me that Canadians are so happy being ruled by a tyrant and they don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they listen to. We do have a small population too. Same with Australia, to be fair. So it's about the same amount of Australian followers that I have, again, across all platforms. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But anyway, like US is like totally like into conspiracy theories and everything. They're like conspiracy theory central because of the fact that they have all those obelisks and shit everywhere. And they're all they're all very inquisitive people. And they're they know what's going on. And well, it's, uh, it's the belly of the beast <laughs> is it definitely exactly you took the words from my mouth. Yeah, definitely the belly of the beast. And uh I'm surprised we haven't seen an uprising yet, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, true. Especially in the last uh, few years, it seems like it's more divided of a country than ever. Oh, huge, man. And we see it more and more every day. And Canada's every not too divided. Day. As you said, it really actually is that most Canadians seem to be just like totally okay with what's going mm-hmm. on or, or totally oblivious to it. It just it doesn't come up in conversation very often. It doesn't, but surprisingly, it does more so these days for me when I'm out and about. I'll, like, see somebody, like, shopping or whatever, and then they'll say something under their breath, and I say, what did you just say? And then we'll start a conversation about, you know, either Trudeau or and what the fuck he's going, he's up to, and all this stuff. And, like, everybody hates the guy. <laughs> you know? It's like, if everybody hates this guy... You know, like Sam Tripoli said, like, how is this guy still in power? Well, the last election, I don't, I don't know. This is kind of an ugly topic I like to stay away from. But the, I haven't been in the country for most of the elections for most of my life since I was 18. I, I just happened to not be here during the elections. But the last one I was paying attention to, whether I was in the country or not. But I decided, you know, there's no point of even voting because all of the parties, we have three parties in Canada, right? Three main parties. All of them were all about mandates, right? Even the conservative oh, yeah. party, they had this guy. I never even heard of him before, Aaron O'Toole. Oh, yeah, Aaron O'Toole. He was like, I'm going to do the same thing as Trudeau. So 
how are you going to get the conservative vote by saying <laughs> i'm going to do the same thing as trudeau like what what is right. going on here even even this uh pierre poiliev guy he's like he's still he's he's still going to implement digital id system if he gets in that's he says he's not but if you look into his fucking background he he does he he will implement it so it doesn't matter who you get in there and yeah, people say it oh, seems like a big snake to me oh yeah for sure dude like he he had my attention when he was asking parliament like where did all the money go for whatever right and he's he kept grilling them and i'm like oh this guy seems legit right but that's how they that's what they do they're yeah. they're liars and they all fucking have a uh, a puppet master I saw Pierre as well, just warmongering about Ukraine too. And that really disappointed <coughs> me. You know, I was kind of thinking that he was on board, but it's crazy that everyone's so pro-war. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this, but I don't I thought, get it. I thought liberals were supposed to be anti-war. And I don't know if you got a notification. Hey, if you have a YouTube account, I recently got notifications that if you speak about the Ukraine war, or if you condemn it in, in any way, if you criticize it in any way, you can have your account banned. You can have your, your account demonetized. <laughs> you know, the, it, it's already, they don't want you swearing. They don't want you talking about smoking. They don't want you showing violence. They don't even want you saying, you know, words like kill or rape or, you know, etc. And it's not like we're glorifying these things, but you know, there's lots of legitimate reasons to use these words right but it's like you literally can't even speak about these things for fear of being demonetized and yeah youtube or, or labeled as like a terrorist or something right yeah but for being in be, conspiracy theories or whatever these are liberal platforms and they're like pro-war i just it blows my mind i didn't know that was a thing but yeah the, i mean trudeau's pro-war let's give uh let's give ukraine billions of dollars let's just give them everything and Pierre's pro-war, like, you know, he's saying we should support them as much as possible. And I doubt the average Canadian has any idea what's even going on out there. I don't. I can't pretend to either. But right. it, it just blows well, we, my mind that they're so pro-war. And that turned me right off of Pierre. Yeah, we've seen some stuff. Sorry, we got, like, police action going on over here. I can't yeah. do anything about it. Uh, yeah, we've seen some videos about, like, how... These guys are like Nazis. They have like the the black sun flag and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, so people aren't seeing that. But of course, they're not going to show that in the mainstream media, right? So, well, yeah, I've, I've just have no idea what's going on over there. And I mean, again, this is more political than I tried to get. I do business for a living, right? I mean, I'm in sales for a living, basically, and I try and, to stay and, away from politics and sex. And yeah, religion, you know, but I'm not a big politics guy myself because I honestly I don't. The only thing I know about it is that they're all fucking corrupt. So uh, I didn't give you a chance to tell the cartel about who you are, what it is that you do. Yeah, well. Before I do that, I, I just want to say, I mean, on this political subject, I just don't think we should be giving our money to any war. <laughs> like just Or taxes for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if any other country has some beef with any other country, it's not our business. That's, that's what I believe. Just pull out. I don't care. I don't want to spend our money. I don't want to pay taxes for any intervention, whether you spin it as humanitarian or not. I, I don't want to pay for war. Stop paying yeah. for war. Yeah. Get out of here. And it's crazy that every single party, the left and the right, so-called liberal and conservative, supposedly, are all pro-war. It's lame. We don't have a choice in this. So 
Yeah, my name's yeah. Ryan. Um, I'm in the health business in real life, kind of by accident, because I was born with uh, birth defects. I was born in pain. Basically, I didn't get to live until our, my 26th birthday when I was completely healed from it by doing a nutrition protocol. It took the right vitamins and minerals, basically, that my skeleton needed to not have the stiff man syndrome like Celine Dion, or oh, childhood shit. arthritis, like they wanted to call it when I was a kid, childhood arthritis. But yeah, I was born with my hips dislocated and I was all tangled up and basically I just <clears throat> couldn't move properly, couldn't, you know, roughhouse with the boys, couldn't play basketball. I might break my hand catching the basketball. Jesus. Broke my arm. Were you, in like, were you in like braces and stuff like that? Like, yeah, sometimes I, I would turn my neck too quickly. Like literally, like my mom would say, hey, Ryan, I'd turn my neck too quickly and I'd be in a neck cast or a neck brace for two, three weeks going to school oh, with a neck brace. Man. Uh, super, super embarrassing. And I learned to live with the pain and whatnot. But yeah, I happened to run into the right formula, the right doctor, Dr. Wallach and fixed me so quick. It, basically a miracle. It's not everything doesn't always happen like that in this business. But I got one of the best results you can get where you know, 95% of all my problems, my pain, my insomnia, my muscle cramping and all, all this stuff just completely went away because my muscles and skeleton didn't have enough nutrients. I just filled it in and boom, it was it. So Wild. I jumped into this business. Uh, I was, my life story is kind of long <laughs> and complicated and convoluted, but I dropped everything and jumped into this business. And I'm in my eighth year now, mostly talk about health, but yeah, I'm into conspiracies too. You know, we were able to have other interests and I think the conspiracy world and the health world overlap quite a lot. I know a lot of people got into conspiracies in the first place because of a health scare or something like that. My they hand is up right now. Yeah, they had a health scare. Yeah. You know, their parents had a health, someone had a health scare, and they realized that the health system itself is corrupt or inept. Or yes, both. both. And then you know that gets them to learning that hey, actually our so-called experts in many other things either don't know what they're talking about or are lying or lying. I think Straight the COVID up. thing brought a lot of people into this uh, fold as well, right? They oh, realized definitely. that there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of twisting of information, especially with all the gaslighting that's going on right now. A lot of people who believe the pandemic thing all the way through are now seeing them backpedal and seeing Fauci say, oh, I, I never said that mass would be effective and you see trudeau saying i never forced anyone to get vaccinated you know come on a lot of people are seeing really the snake through the trees now yeah the snake in the grass now and yeah so i don't know i got my hands in both pockets I do a lot of podcasts i have my own podcast obviously we do our business on instagram mostly we post health information a lot of it is skewed towards the conspiratorial because the health the medical monopoly, standard medicine, allopathic it's medicine, is confused. corrupt. Yeah, is corrupt, is inept, is sucking trillions and trillions of dollars from America and Canada and the rest of the world, and producing very awful results. And the Rockefellers are involved. All the same names that you hear in conspiracy, basically, they come up in the health world as well. They but come up everywhere, dude. Yeah, I was into conspiracy and, before this stuff, so it was easy to be in, in yeah. hands in both jars, basically. For sure, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was because uh, I was diagnosed with, with uh, Crohn's in, back in 2008 or nine, And then, um, but like five years prior to that, I was suffering and didn't know what it was. I thought I was dying. 
and my doctor said like, diagnosed me with like three different fucking things and i'm like what the fuck's going on here and i finally put my my foot down and i was like dude i i have so much anxiety i think i'm gonna die and you're just telling me it's this this or this and it's getting worse and worse i don't know what to do you have to send me to a specialist and then I got scoped uh, not once, but twice, and then finally diagnosed. <clears throat> and then from there, I dropped like fucking 80 pounds within like a year because I started like eating better and stuff like that, right? And I felt like way better. What was like, their okay. advice for you? I'm curious. Sorry? What was their advice for you? Uh, oh, uh, when I got diagnosed? Yeah. So I had to take a medication called Pentassa and uh, get fiber in my diet. That was basically it. And then I started eating better, like not a whole lot of food at once, like just like small amounts, like smaller portions. And then I added the fiber to my diet and like it was better fiber. And it was just like, holy shit, this is working. And like, I haven't had like solid poops in like six years. And then all of a sudden I'm getting solid poops. My weight's dropping. And I felt like fucking amazing. That was just a short part of the journey, though. <laughs> well, I'll give you some uh, some free advice and you can do it for free, too. If you go completely gluten free, probably all of the symptoms will go away. Probably only been, take about three months. I've been told that. I've been told well, that. It's probably the thing that's causing the inflammation. So the pentassa or mesalamine it's an anti-inflammatory basically. So yeah, yeah. The gluten and it's not just gluten. Gluten's a shorthand. I know it's been it's become kind of a joke, right? That uh, gluten causes all these problems, but there's more to the story. But the gluten itself, it's kind of like poison ivy on the inside. You know, and bakers know this too. You see bakers wearing gloves. Most bakers you'll see they're wearing gloves these days because they have a psoriasis and eczema all over their hands and stuff because mm. it, it's basically like poison ivy or po poison oak on the inside so it inflames the intestines that's why they give you an anti-inflammatory and over time the inflammation actually it becomes damaged and the intestine is where we're supposed to absorb most of our nutrients right and the intestine actually if you cut it open on an autopsy it looks like velvet a healthy intestine looks like velvet on the inside because it's got all these tiny little fibers called villi yeah little, these little finger like villi and they've even got little micro villi popping off of them but it's all such fine stuff that it looks and feels like velvet but when gluten touches it and it inflames up just like your skin on the outside it inflames up it becomes puffy it becomes red that happens on the inside and if that keeps happening it turns into damage so instead of looking like an inverted shag car it turns into like a bobsled track you know it turns into scar tissue Instead of this wow. this fluffy uh, carpet, and the Which fluffy is what carpet, is, the fluffy carpet is there to uh, increase yeah, the right. the surface area. Basically, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's all these little finger like things so that there's massive surface area now, so that you can absorb nutrients. New, little nutrients are supposed to be broken up in the stomach, and then it goes into the intestine and the the gallbladder and the pancreas. They they dump all these enzymes in, which are like soap kind of. All this stuff is breaking up the food into tiny, tiny little particles. And it's supposed to fall in between these little villi, these little finger-like villi. And I mean, you've probably seen the magic school bus. They, they showed this, right? 
All these little finger-like villi, so food particles can get trapped in between them and be absorbed into the bloodstream. The blood's very, very close to those villi. They're very, very thin skin, the little tiny thin skin around each one of these villi. So it's very delicate. They, they get damaged easily, but those fingers, those villi are supposed to be there to allow the food particles to be absorbed, but the gluten inflames it all, so it decreases... It just slides through instead of yeah, getting absorbed. It, exactly. It's sliding through, so you're not absorbing nutrients properly. And of course, you have digestion problems. That's what Crohn's is. You know, the stuff is coming out that should have been absorbed and stuff is not broken down and, and so on and so on. And yeah, it's, it, it really is that easy, actually. We sell products, but we say this all the time. If you have Crohn's, products aren't probably going to fix it. If you go completely right. gluten-free, all symptoms should actually disappear. And it probably only will take like three months. You're not that old. If you were an old person, it might take six months, a year to fully build right, right. it all up. But you get better and better along that time. That's awesome. And what do you, what's, your, um, what's your thoughts on uh, alkaline water? This is a bit of a controversial one because your stomach's supposed to be extremely acidic, right? So... When you put in alkaline water or you put in anything carbonated, the same thing, it lowers the acidity of the stomach acid. Your stomach is supposed to be so acidic that if you bit off, if you swallowed a chicken bone, basically, it should dissolve the meat down to the bone. <laughs> it's extremely strong acid. There's not many comparable acids in nature that are as strong as a stomach acid. It's stronger than vinegar and all this stuff, right? So when you put in anything that's alkaline, it actually lowers the acidity. This is actually why we need salt, by the way. We, we split apart salt and use the chloride to make hydrochloric acid, which is stomach acid. It's primarily hydrochloric acid. So we don't recommend alkaline water. If you are using alkaline water, it should not be with meals. It's the same rule with carbonation. If you're going to use it, you got to keep it one to two hours at least away from meals. So you allow your stomach to re-acidify. And I mean, so drink, like water, drinking, drinking soda with, with uh, meals, not a good thing. Well, you're practically guaranteed not to digest the meal properly. That's the thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it could relieve some stomach pain. You know, we've all overeaten and then you have some stomach pain and then you have something carbonated, you know, a ginger ale, a kombucha. It does help, but... It's guaranteeing that you're not digesting it properly. It is lowering the stomach acid. And Dude, alkaline water, yeah. it's fine. Right. Kombucha fucks me up. <clears throat> what happens? Oh, dude, it's just like everything goes through me like a laser. Well, yeah, that's it. And that, that makes sense because nothing's being digested properly, right? Yeah. Just sucks, though, because it's like. I've tried so many different things, but I think I'm going to definitely have to go the, the gluten-free route. It is pretty easy. Like I said, I know it's become kind of a joke or it's like these health nerds are doing it, but. Well, they always make it. They always make the, the new thing that they discover a fad, right? Yeah. And I was talking about this today on another podcast. This is actually my third podcast of the day. Jesus. So <laughs> th there's this myth that. You know, people say, well, why could they eat gluten or why, why do they eat bread in the Bible and not have a problem? I said, why do you think Galen, the physician, the first physician, why do you think Galen had a job? Why do you think Hippocrates had a job? Because these diseases of civilization have been along, have been around since the beginning of civilization. Since, sure. since the beginning of writing, people have had 
especially stomach problems. Stomach problems. Have, this is not new, basically. Yeah. There's this, there's this myth that it was okay in the past and it's not okay now. And there actually, it could be a long story of why bread in the past, for example, or wheat in the past may have been healthier and probably was significantly healthier. You know, we've got lots of additional problems now. Now we use pesticides. Not only do the pesticide residue actually stay in the plant and get into you and kill your probiotics that live in your intestines, but it also kills the bacteria in the soil. That's what it's supposed to do. And a plant works and fungus in the soil to absorb minerals so the, the essential nutrients we need most of them are minerals the rest of them are the things that the plant makes the plant makes vitamins the plant makes amino acids the plant makes essential fatty acids the plant makes antioxidants all this stuff those are all carbon compounds but it uses minerals to do most of this work and when there's more minerals in the soil Plants are healthier, and it's not just a subjective thing. It's an objective thing. You can measure this. One of the measurements is called BRICS, B-R-I-X. It's basically a measurement of plant sugar. And when plants are not doused in pesticides that kill the bacteria and fungus in the soil, they have a higher BRICS score because, again, it's a symbiotic relationship. The roots of the plants need the bacteria and the fungus to pre-digest minerals. Plant, it's pretty magic here, what happens here. Nature is pretty incredible. The inorganic minerals like rocks and sand and just dirt and stuff, the plant takes those and it breaks them apart into individual atoms, individual particles of, you know, whatever it is, aluminum, very abundant in the soil or silica or calcium or selenium or whatever is in the soil. Instead of it being like a, like a crystal, you know, think of crystals, think of, think of rocks. It's not one mineral. You don't see just clumps of iron. You see clumps of iron with mixed with this and this and this and this and this. You know, it, ma it, it makes pyrite and it makes limestone and all, all this stuff. These are compounds, basically. And they're inert. They're electrically inert. The plant with the fungus in the soil, this is the key part. This is why pesticides are a problem because it kills the fungus and it kills the bacteria. But those right. two things work together to pull apart compounds into individual tiny little molecules and it actually gives them an electric charge, too. It's pretty incredible. So the, the instead of it being a rock, instead of it being sand, instead of it being an inorganic clump of stuff, it's a colloidal particle is what we call it. Because it's an individual particle. It's got an electric charge on it. And if you put them all in a solution, they repel each other completely. So if you took a, a handful of sand or a handful of dirt, a handful of rocks, you put them in a glass of water. You could grind them up as fine as you want. You could take fine ground limestone or whatever, put it in a glass of water, shake it up. It becomes cloudy. Put it on the counter and leave it. You're going to see it settle down. All the minerals are going to settle down to the bottom. That doesn't happen when the minerals are plant-derived, when the minerals have gone through a plant first. For example, in wood ashes. And humans use wood ashes for millennia, by the way. Neanderthals buried their dead with with wood ashes and, and humans use wood ashes to cut their salt with and, and add to their food and even sell as fertilizers before the 20th century. And we figured out vitamins and minerals individually, chemically ash was considered an essential nutrient along with like protein oh. and carbs and fat. We didn't, we didn't know all the vitamin names and stuff didn't have all that figured out, but ash was considered an essential nutrient. And, and this is, and this is like ash from like burnt wood, right? Well, yeah, humans used wood, they used, uh, they burned wood, they burned manure, they burned 
sea moss. They burn, they burn everything, basically, grass for heating and cooking. And, and this is 100% of the time. You know, right. we did not yeah. have electricity, so we, we burn the stuff. It's a byproduct of burning stuff. They talk about, by the way, science talks about this great leap forward where humans became so much smarter. And it's usually attributed to fire. But most academics will talk about since we had fire, we were able to eat a variety of foods. We say it's not the variety. That's actually, it's part of it. Yeah, we could eat a whole bunch of different foods now. But what we had when we were using fire 24-7 is pounds and pounds of wood ashes every day. And humans are creatures of habit. What are we doing with these wood ashes? Probably putting them in a pile. And composting has been a thing as long as we know. Because we put things in piles. You know, we try to be clean. But you can only do so much. And so you put the wood ashes in a pile. And people probably ended up noticing that plants grow better there. And someone must have tasted them at some point or see the dogs licking the fire pit and, and, and other animals look in the fire pit. I don't know if you've ever been at a campsite and seen animals come up and eat the, eat the ashes yeah, out of the yeah. fire pit. They'll yeah. eat clays and stuff too. But I mean, nature knows that ashes are just such a rich source of these colloidal minerals, these plant derived minerals. It's because the plant converts it. That this is, is the magic of nature. And by the way, this is why, you know, forests need to be burned periodically. You see, even when we are, so-called uh when we're maintaining fire uh when we're maintaining forests we actually humans go in and burn the forest on purpose in certain parts or we burn the forest floor because those colloidal minerals are the most available to plants and animals and forests will die if they don't burn themselves out Ten, they say 10 percent of canada forests canadian forests burn down every year 10 percent. you know environmentalists get all crazy about these forest fires but it's part of the, the it's a natural process yeah yeah recycling uh, cycle and when you burn away the plant basically you burn away the carbon there's a little bit of carbon left but the rest of it is pure plant derived minerals because the plant has already done the work it's pulled apart rocks right it's ripped rocks apart at the atom level so there's only individual atoms of each mineral with an electrical charge and yeah plant eaten them at some point because humanity has been cutting their salt with it as long as we have records even cookbooks from the 1800s will call for culinary ash to be put in their in their foods and stuff this was actually a supplement this is a supplement before there were supplements this is what all of humans used before we switched to electricity basically because now we no longer had the wood ashes and coal you... ashes are the same thing too sorry um would it be like detrimental to your health if you took like a bunch of wood ash and just like tossed it in your mouth no if, if you use the black ash it might be a, a bit gross but they would use the white ash it's the fine white ash that they would call right, right. culinary ash and okay yeah not only did humans cut their salt with it like like a cocaine dealer cuts their cocaine to stretch it out <laughs> so, literally humans would do that salt was extremely valuable we're both from canada well in the americans the, the, the natives had these massive salt trading routes all throughout the continent. It's always been a thing. The, the phrase, all roads lead to Rome, most likely referred to salt roads. Uh, right, most right. of the major cities that you can think of, if not all of them, they were either built on a salt deposit, near a salt deposit, or on a salt road. Salt. There is no civilization without salt. So salt was extremely valuable, and people just cut their salt with wood ashes to stretch it out because... For most of human history, most of humans have been poor. In Okinawa, people talk about Okinawa. 
this is probably true in other places as well, that if uh, I work with Dr. Wallach, Dr. Joel Wallach, and he went to Okinawa and asked them, what do you do with your wood ashes? Because there's this famous book, the Okinawa program, but it didn't mention ashes at all. It's just, it's such an obvious thing that everybody missed it. So he went there and he asked the women, well, he asked the men, what do you do with your ashes? And they said, I don't know. But he asked the women and they say, well, we put it in our garden. Our, our mothers put it in the garden. Our grandmothers put it in the garden. And then there's an ash merchant that comes around once a week or whatever to buy the excess ash because there's an ash economy for fertilizer. This is, again, a lot of places are still, they're not buying this uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium fertilizer, NPK fertilizer, Monsanto fertilizer, whatever. They're not buying it. They're still using wood ashes that they've been using for thousands of years. So there's a whole ash economy that no one even noticed. And when we had electricity, it was touted as a good thing. Like, oh, now you no longer have these dirty ashes from your, your fireplace or your, um, your coal leftovers, right? Now you don't have this soot all over your house. Well, we had this wonderful byproduct that was, you know, rich in nutritional minerals, highly absorbable nutritional minerals with no excess, no fluff, nothing like that. And yet just was completely eliminated by the use of electricity. We just, we don't have plant dried minerals anymore as part of our uh, dietary lives. Sure. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, dude. Like, <clears throat> so when you first got uh, on board with this, what you're doing now, um, how much research did you do prior to that before like jumping into doing as a, a career? Almost none, because the research was, I had stiff man syndrome, right? Right. I, I, the research was, hey, my buddy said, hey, man, you realize you can move your neck around? You're not, and I'm like, whoa, I can move my neck around for the first time in my entire life. I couldn't, if you uh, said, hey, Ryan, prior to this, I would have to move my whole body to face you and say, like, you? Uh, like uh, Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah, like fr like Frankenstein, you know, like I, I, I was afraid of moving my joints too much because I might pull right. a muscle and it was so frequent. I literally I was scared of it. If I move too quickly, I might pull a muscle. And I even went to the gym, by the way, for four years. I worked at a gym. I got jacked. I doubled my body weight in muscle and my pain actually got worse because getting jacked doesn't give you more minerals. <laughs> your, right. your musculoskeletal system needs minerals it, it was such a simple thing I, I really couldn't believe that i had missed it before that but your doctor doesn't know this my doctor didn't know this so you work with the doctor now that healed you essentially yeah and uh i was kind of groomed into this business too it was probably because i didn't have much going on in life i was a bit of a drifter i told you okay on message i lived all over the place well yeah yeah you can't have much of a career when you're moving every six months of your life you know so right I didn't have that much going on and they, they grew me into this. And yeah, now we have these accounts. They're popular. We have thousands of people coming to us with all kinds of different health problems. And yeah, I've had to learn and, and become somewhat of an expert. And that, that was after you asked how much research to do before this. None. The research was me getting fixed. And right. the, the guy who gave me this, which stuff, was basically like a spiritual awakening. It was massive. It was massive, but it's, it's non-academic. You know, I was just about to say my my buddy gave me this stuff. He didn't tell me anything, you know, and he got it from a bus driver. Like this is these are totally blue collar people in, in Scarborough and Durham, basically GTA, Toronto region. You know, my buddy just says, hey, take this. I, it, we, lo we love this. 
I came back to Canada and I don't know. They said, yeah, we love, we love this stuff. I don't know. You just take, take some of this stuff. He just made me a drink. He didn't, didn't pitch me on it. He didn't even sell me on it. They weren't even selling it. They, they actually just genuinely loved the stuff themselves, but they didn't have diseases. I did. Right. And I, when I finally got to the bone and joint formula in my hand, it, it was less than a week. I 95% of my problems were gone in less than a week. I could sleep for the first time ever properly. I could move my neck around for the first time ever properly. I had no cramps, had no twitches. You know, I also had kind of Tourette syndrome as well. My doctor was very conservative. He didn't want to pin down diagnoses or anything. But yeah, my buddies just liked it. But me, it completely changed, literally changed my life. You know, I could actually function for the first time. I was 26 years old. You know, I felt like I had the first 25 years of my life stolen from me basically right i I assume i would assume that uh you went to like a bunch of different doctors before that well not necessarily because you're not given any hope and yeah because all these all these fucking disorders or you know autoimmune disorders they're all labeled as no known cause no known cure. And it's not it's not facetious for me to say all they have was drugs. That is all my doctor had was drugs. Uh-huh. Painkillers, anti-inflammatories, uh, antidepressants, antipsychotics. Yeah, because I wasn't healthy mentally either. Of course, it all goes hand in hand. That's that's all he had. You know, there's no surgery to fix stiff man syndrome. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. Cut my muscles. You know, it's, it's like me. I was, I was on anti-anxiety medication because I had Crohn's, but I was undiagnosed. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out what it was, I was like, I was still on the anti-anxiety medication, and it kicked into high gear when I found out I wasn't dying. I went through a huge manic period. I was like, I feel like a fucking god now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got off the medication. And then I had, like, I got really depressed because my brain just, like, it pretty much shut down. I had brain fog. I didn't know who the fuck I was anymore. This and that. And all the experiences that I went through in my life with this Crohn's thing, I, I, it, it made me wake up to spirituality. I was like, dude, something, the, the, the mind is something fucking else, man, you know? Because I went through this huge period of like studying the bible and everything after that because i just i needed to find myself again and i was like i don't know who i am anymore and this and that and eventually that all went away it took like a a period about like four years or so for my brain to actually heal from uh the trauma from getting off of an anti-anxiety drug oh for sure yeah dude it's fucked well, I mean, everybody says these days, oh, they mess with your mind, but I mean, that's an under huge, huge understatement. You're living in a cloud, basically. If I if I was if I didn't cling on to spirituality, I probably probably would have fucking killed myself mm-hmm. because that's how bad the trauma was from getting off that that uh, drug. It was called Paxil. I'm sure you heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. SSRI, right? And um, whoo, dude, it was a bad period in my life. I was still going to work every day, but I was like, just like a mindless zombie. And one of the things that actually helped me 
as well as spirituality was marijuana. <laughs> mm-hmm. It cleared the brain fog and it helped my, my thought process go from paranoid or not paranoid, but like just scared of life to chilling the fuck back out again. And then I stopped it when I didn't need that anymore either. So yeah, man, like there's a lot of shit out there that will really fuck you up. Well, yeah, especially these head drugs. And I forget about this sometimes because it's been so long, but I know a lot of people who are probably listening to listening to this podcast a lot of people in the conspiracy world are on antidepressant drugs and yeah i I don't know if they have any hope to do anything else but i mentioned that one thing going gluten-free it's not a joke you know it's it, it actually probably will clear the fog it actually probably will allow you to absorb more nutrients Whatever you're eating, even if you don't buy supplements and stuff, as long as you're eating some kind of real food and even fake food, honestly, even if it's gluten free, it's going to have some something in it, some nutrients in it. You'll absorb more, you'll clear up and you don't need to be dependent on, on these drugs. The drugs are part of the system, right? Go back to conspiracy. Oh, state. for sure. This is part of the system. And <coughs> well, it doesn't it's even pharm- need to- pharmacaea, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it could be a conspiracy. I do think it is. The whole medical monopoly was was started, by the way, with the Flexner Report in 1910, which is a Rockefeller-funded thing, where they stopped funding all the natural stuff, all the homeopathy, all, all the uh, the people doing herbs and, and vitamins and minerals and stuff. All this was just defunded. So that's how they basically monopolized the health world, by just defunded simply not funding and, anything else. And defunded and demonized. Yeah, like, the, oh, the only legitimate all. medicine are those that practice what's called allopathic medicine, which yeah. is basically drugs, tests, and surgeries. That's what it means. It's not a slang. It's not a slander. That's what they do. It's drugs, tests, and surgeries. And every doctor you've probably ever seen, your, your general practitioner, your open, you know, the person who delivered you, the person who put you under for anesthesia, if you ever had to do a procedure, your friggin' dentist is operating under allopathic reductionism basically it's just a flawed medical theory but that was the only one that was supported by the mainstream this is what became mainstream this is how it became mainstream this is how it became only one thing you know any medical college they just failed to be funded because who funded them rockefellers carnegie's the the big names that we hear in the conspiracy world and that's that's still true today you've never seen a television program with a naturopathic doctor as the star You've no. never you've never seen a movie with a homeopathic doctor as a star. Never, ever. They've never been the hero in any f- fiction that you've ever seen. And everything we've ever heard is when we're sick, go to the doctor. And by default now in the t- late 20th and early 21st century, the default of what a doctor means means an allopathic doctor. They've literally erased the other types of medicine and the other types of healing which is everybody else in the healing world, they've erased all of it from the lexicon. So when you think of doctor, you think of an allopathic doctor by default. And this allopathic thing, by the way, every single other mode of healing in the entire world, from Ayurvedic medicine in India, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, even chiropractors, again, homeopaths, naturopaths, Herbalist, every single other mode of healing operates on holism. They try and find the root of the problem. They try and treat the whole body. That's why it's called holism. 
I find it a bit weird that each one of these practices is kind of compartmentalized. They all kind of do different things, yet we all call each other holist, whatever. But yeah, my point is it's a completely different philosophy from allopathic medicine. Allopathic medicine, they want to they, reduce everything to their to the to the the smallest component it can. That's why they blamed almost everything on on uh, germs before. You know, they were all hyped ah. up on, uh, viruses cause everything. And yep. then now it's all about genes, right? Genes cause everything. They're reducing and if you, the problem. Yeah, if you look up terrain theory on the internet, it'll literally say it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's pseudoscience, right? Yeah, pseudoscience, fringe, all that shit, yeah. But I think that's exactly what I uh, subscribe to is terrain theory. Because, <clears throat> dude, I haven't been, like, I haven't had a cold in, like, I had one minor cold in the past six years and it was like new year's of last year. Uh, ever since I started taking D three and B 12. There you go. And I used to get sick like twice a year guaranteed before that every fucking year. And now I haven't been, I haven't had a sniffle for like six years, man, except for that one minor cold that lasted literally two days. And it was so minor that I, I was still able to like function and go to work, you know, because every, every other time I got sick, I was like, Oh, I'm down for like a week or two, you know, for sure. And those are two of the big boy nutrients, by the way, vitamin D B12, those two come up a lot. And they're, they're we, we need quite a lot of it, actually, both of them. And yeah, those deficiencies, I mean, B12 is a dementia called vitamin B12 deficiency dementia. Right. It's, uh, it's criminal to me. Like, this is in medical books. This is not even from the fringe alternative. This is in, it's a disease called vitamin B12 deficiency dementia. And I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands, of dementia patients over the years. Not once has anyone told me that their doctor even mentioned the possibility that their dementia could be caused by vitamin B12 deficiency. Every single time they call it MS, they call it ALS. They call it Parkinson's, they call it uh, Alzheimer's disease, you know, they call it Huntington's disease. They never once even mentioned the possibility that just B vitamin deficiency could be causing the dementia. Same with, vitamin D. Same with vitamin it's D. There's so crazy, many disorders dude. that vitamin D is involved in, including MS, vitamin D deficiency, and it's never mentioned. It's never doctors tell you to stay away from vitamin D. And they tell you to they tell you uh, to stay away. Hey, yeah, and they tell you to don't go out into the sun, you know, where we get our natural vitamin D from, right? Absolutely. They also tell you to avoid cholesterol. And uh, by the way, vitamin D is synthesized in conjunction with cholesterol. There's cholesterol in your skin. There's cholesterol in every single cell in your body. And it's the sun with vitamin. It's the sun that reacts with the cholesterol to create vitamin D. So they, it's a double whammy. They tell you to avoid cholesterol and saturated fat. And they tell you to avoid vitamin D. But if you're already avoiding cholesterol, then you can't even absorb vitamin D properly. So it might even actually damage your skin instead of giving you one of the most important nutrients there are. And vitamin D is weird, by the way, because it's a hormone. It's not a traditional vitamin. It's kind of a misnomer because in the late 1900s, early 20th century, uh, we, 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 sorry, the late 1800s, early 1900s, we didn't really know what was going on. I mean, we, the people who are studying this. So if we renamed them now, if we went and did the science now, I bet they wouldn't call vitamin D a vitamin. They would call it a hormone, much like uh, thyroid hormone or, or 
uh, testosterone or your adrenal hormones. It's more similar to that, actually. And it's actually okay. directly involved in all of those hormones, too. It's not like vitamin B12. It's not uh, necessarily a particle that does work in the body. It's a hormone, which sends signals for other things to do work, basically. Do you have a vitamin regency yourself? Regency? Yeah, we do. And we actually go further than uh, most people. We, we say there's 16 vitamins. First of all, we say there's 90 essential nutrients. But actually, if we were being technical, that list would probably be closer to like 200. Because even things like vitamin A, for example, you know, you, you could call it retinol. There's but there's multiple retinols, basically. So there's multiple different forms of vitamin A. And there's even vitamin A's got pro vitamins, they call it, you probably heard of beta carotene. There's yep. also, so that's like in carrots, it's what makes carrots orange and stuff, or, or peppers or anything that has a yellow, orange, red kind of hue to it is probably got beta carotene in it. But there's also alpha carotene, there's actually a whole bunch of different carotenes, those are pro vitamins that your body takes and makes vitamin A. So I'm just saying if we wanted to get technical, it could actually be way more than the 90 essential nutrients. And we even flavanols and bioflavanols we call that a vitamin so our list of vitamins is like 16 i say like again because flavanols and bioflavanols those are actually like hundreds of different compounds like right. uh, like uh, resveratrol and red wine that's a flavanol and uh, uh lycopene you know these are antioxidants it's it's a bit tricky because we can't take them all all the time but every season has different plants it's anywhere you are in the world, every season has different plants that provide these different things. So we just lump them all in. We, we take as many as we can, basically, of these bioflavanols and flavanols. But our list of 16 vitamins, I don't know any other camp that has that many. Sometimes you'll see there's 12. Sometimes you'll see there's 14. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty critical component, the vitamins. Plants can make vitamins. Again, that's one of the categories they can make. Mineral deficiency is the real critical problem in our food supply, especially right. because we're, we're not, we don't replenish the soils at all. It sounds simple, <clears throat> but we just don't. Every civilization was built on a floodplain. Every single one of them was either built on a floodplain or their island people or their seafaring people. All the minerals are in seawater, by the way. Every single element on the periodic table, other than the, uh, the, the byproducts of plutonium and, and stuff like that, <clears throat> the short-lived radioactive ones. Everything else is in seawater. So everything that grows in the sea has all the minerals. Two-thirds of the essential nutrients are minerals. So any culture that lived from the sea, basically, didn't have a mineral problem. And they didn't have to grow that much either. They didn't have to irrigate fields and stuff. But every other culture, especially the longest-lived cultures now, the blue zones, they call them, most of them are mountainous people. And they all irrigate their fields. And... The ones that happen to live in places that have all the minerals there, they're the ones who live the longest, like the Hunza people up in the Hunza mountains of the border of Pakistan, basically. It's not the Himalayas. It's a Karakarum mountain range. It's the same basic thing. There's the uh, Georgians up in the Georgian mountains. This is uh, southern Russia, basically. There's the Azerbaijanis, even further south. These are all mountainous people. There's the people of Lake Titicaca in South America. Uh, and there's some people who live in volcanic soils, like those in the Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica, which I've also lived there as well. There's some other volcanic places. Volcanic soils also are high minerals. But 
point is all these people either irrigate their fields or they they just happen to have an abundance of minerals where they live. So the the, the coconuts that grow on the volcanic soil or uh, the people that live from the sea primarily, they're just getting all of their minerals that way. And we don't we just don't do this. We grow our fields. We grow food in our fields. We douse them with pesticides, first of all, most of the time. That's not good. It stops the uh, plant from being able to absorb the minerals properly. So even if they're in the soil, they can't be absorbed properly. But then if they do absorb them, and they are absorbing some of them, even with the trees that have longer roots that go deep, trees and vines have deep roots that the pesticides can't fully get in the way of. Even so, you know, the grape grows or the tomato grows or whatever it is grows in the ground, whatever minerals it has in it, you take it out, you put it on a truck, it's gone. And we only put in three nutrients back in. We put nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium because that's what plants need for maximum uh, uh, bushels per acre, you know, maximum yield per acre. You just need to give them nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. They used to do that with manure and ash, by the way. Potassium comes from potash, the word potash. It means ash. Right. So yeah. Before fertilizers, you'd get it from ash and the nitrogen and, and, and uh, phosphorus would come from manure, basically, and compost. This is what all the humans did. They, they use manure. They use compost heaps, massive compost heaps, and they'd use ash for their gardens so, and for their fields. Is the use of pesticides just to increase growth and, and like, yield more with the dangers of not having uh, enough nutrients in it? They know that, but they don't give a shit anyway. Is that why? I don't think most people know about this, actually. So the reason that most of these crops are GMO, genetically modified, is to be more resistant to pesticides. Right. So I mentioned fertilizer, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. That's not a pesticide. Pesticide is a poison that kills bugs because when your plants are weak, they're susceptible to parasites. There's, you know. Right. Nature is ruthless. Nature, birds, bugs, bees, you know, worms, fungus, everything wants to eat your garden. It'll eat you if you don't be careful. Right. But if you ever tried growing something in the tropics, you know, mold wants it. Right. Bacteria wants it. The bugs want it. You have to watch your garden. So plants are resistant to this. Plants have all these uh, plant chemicals that dissuade certain parasites. But plants need to be strong, basically, to not be overcome by all these parasites that are everywhere in the world. Again, bacteria, fungus, all this stuff. It's just no matter where you are in the world, unless you're in Antarctica or something like that, or, you know, deep winter in Canada, that's when there is not fungus out there in the outside. But whenever things are growing, if the plant is strong, it can resist these things. It has all these plant chemicals to resist. Without, without pesticides. without pesticides so go back to how we used to grow things and how primitive people still do and the blue zones still do they're still irrigating their fields they're still giving their i mentioned earlier that when plants have more minerals they have a higher bricks score among other scores that means they have more plant nutrients in it more plant chemicals in it chemicals sounds like a bad word but you can call it a nutrient if it's good for us but it's it's actually a plant chemical so that means the plant that has more minerals, it has more vitamins in it, it has more antioxidants in it, it has more sugars in it, and it also has more defensive chemicals in it as well. It's a healthier plant, basically. So when we're growing on mineral depleted soil, the plants are weaker. So we had to come up with ways to protect the plants. 
one of the ways was GMO. We genetically modified them to be able to be resistant to these chemical pesticides. Because okay. now, instead of the plants making their own basically natural, they're too weak and frail. They're hardly making any vitamins. They're hardly making any plant sugars. And they're not making their own pesticides. So these weak plants that we're growing on our farm fields, because the farm fields are barren, because we're not irrigating, we're not using compost, we're not using manure. Well, they still use manure sometimes. Some farmers use, use manure still, but... So it has something to do with like mass production as opposed to like actually putting in the work to keep your, your crops strong, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we could, we could in theory mass produce crops with this in mind. We would just need to make sure that they're getting their minerals. Uh, all civilizations, again, were built on a floodplain. You know, Egypt, Rome, you know, wh wh whatever city you want to name, it was built on a floodplain for a reason. Because the floods sure. come every year. It floods not just with water. It floods with mud and silt and clay and, and all this other stuff. This is minerals. Basically, the, the, the fields are flooded with minerals. And what do we do? We go in and, and hoe them in and, and till. This is what you do. You till the minerals into the soil. Turn over the top soil. It brings all the minerals into the soil. This was supposed to happen every year. So it, it's not just that we don't irrigate anymore. That is one thing. It's not just that we don't use wood ashes anymore. That's another thing. Double whammy. The reason we don't use wood ashes is because we have electricity. Well, how do we get electricity? We dammed nearly a million rivers in this world. We dammed basically every important river in the world. You know, the, the, these rivers are controlled now. They call it flood control. So they don't flood anymore. This is how we used to do it. This is how every single civilization did it. They, the rivers flooded every single year. You tilled that into your soils. We also used wood ashes. We also used compost. We also ate the whole animals when we ate whole animals, by the way. Snout to tail. We didn't just eat the muscle. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah. also eat the connective tissue. We all, they, they'd boil the feet. They'd boil the bones. They'd grind up the bones that are left after they're nice and soft. They'd use that bone meal in their breads. So we are talking about bread earlier. One of Everything. The we think what? Chinese people are weird because they eat like beak soup and shit, right? Oh yeah, feet, yeah, fried feet and all all this stuff. Well, that's where most of the nutrients are in in the animal. The, mm -hmm. Eating just muscle itself is a problem, actually. Like, we, yeah, we need muscle. We need the protein, of course. But by weight, the heaviest thing is muscle. The second heaviest thing is connective tissue, which holds everything together. You know, we've got a whole list, a hundred or more diseases that are just connective tissue deficiency. We see this all the time. You know, everything from hemorrhoids to uh, arthritis, basically, right? Yeah. Is, uh, I mean, it's been 30 years now since there's been great evidence that chicken cartilage by itself can reverse arthritis because your joints need this, need other joints, basically eat joints to, to support your own joints, right? Your joints need joints. This is right. called, it's called like cures like, basically. It's called like treats like in the holistic world. That if you have a bone problem, this is how we solved arthritis in animals a thousand years ago in China, by the way, 500 years ago in medieval times. And it cost us billions of dollars to map it out in the 20th century, but it was already figured out a thousand years ago that if you want to stop arthritis in animals, you feed them bones. You want to stop bone disease in animals, you feed them bones. They need bones to, to build their own bones. They need joints to build their own joints. So culturally, in Canada, America, the Western world, whatever, we only eat muscle. We, it, we have this word called meat. It it's only means muscle. Whereas for all the rest of human history, we ate the muscle, we ate the connective tissue, we ate the bones. 
literally ate the bones. We leached out the nutrients into soups and whatever was left, we ground them up. We fed them to our animals. The animals pooped out. We put that poop back onto our fields. So everything is recycled. We ate the organs, right? The, the, you have to go into different cultures to experience this. You know, the uh, Asians especially, or, or even the Italians and Portuguese. What do they eat? They eat the pig's stomach, right? There's dishes that are about pig's stomach. One of my favorite dishes is called dinaguan, a Filipino dish. It's blood stew. They use the blood to cook the meat in. And oh my gosh, is it good. It's my favorite dish, actually. <laughs> in the I whole wouldn't world. mind trying that. Uh, well, your blood is supposed to have all the nutrients in it. So what happens when you drink the blood of another animal? I know this is going to sound really gross to a lot sure, of people, but this sure. is our conditioning. You've never felt anything until you've had blood stew. You've you've never right. felt anything like that. My dad this loves, is... uh, yeah, my dad loves uh, blood pudding, like blood. That's what it is. They call it chocolate yeah. pudding, right? Yeah. Chocolate meat. Or uh, the British call it, I think it's black pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you'll only find that out in the counties, right? You're not going to find that in London. But basically, every culture knew about this. And every culture, you know, outside of the kings and queens and stuff, outside of the feudal lords, outside of the castles, they were all poor. They had to use what they got. They, they shear the sheep and they make clothes out of it. When they, when they butcher the sheep, you know, they, again, they eat everything. They eat the ears, right? They, they grind up the bones and the teeth. Again, they eat whatever they can that they can't grind up. They feed it to the animals and, and even their poop, they put it back into their compost and back into their cycle because you have to use what you've got. We don't fucking do grind, grind up bones and snort it. <laughs> I don't know like, how go. much you would absorb. <laughs> uh, okay. What are your thoughts on cannibalism? Well, this is something I don't know much about because there's not really like studies. I thought maybe you would know a little bit because of like how, like if you absorb another human or whatever, right? I thought maybe you would have looked into that. <clears throat> I do have a couple of thoughts. <clears throat> One second. I just uh, sure. swallowed some water. <clears throat> <laughs> he snorted. <laughs> no, I just, I just breathed in some water there. <clears throat> My goodness. That sucks. Okay. <clears throat> so... I'm because there's the there's the theory about the Wendigo, right? And the Wendigo is like a monster that like eats people, but it gains their powers, right? So I think that's like a, I think that's an allegory for like a cannibal, right? Like a guy who goes around kills people and eats them and gains their powers, right? So it's an allegory for like they make it a, a monster, right? There so are many are... examples of cannibalism. There, there are yeah, many examples. Yeah. But as far as I know, we actually will get sick if we drink human blood or, or consume human blood, at least too much of it. it it's okay. We can tolerate animal blood. There's a protein in it or, so, or something that antagonizes us. We're basically allergic to it, I think. For but there's also, we mentioned on the Monday Night Debaters this week that uh, the blood type thing isn't figured out. So I think it's like some blood types can't consume other blood types that'll make them sick or something like this right but okay the, the way dr wallach would say it and the way many other actually mineral people who focus on minerals what would describe it is that this is a form of pica basically cannibalism is a form of pica pica is a disease in animals where they chew on the crib or uh, sorry it's called cribbing is the the chewing motion where animals who have pica the symptom is called cribbing so you'll see horses that are chewing on the barn, you know, chewing on the uh, the gate, eating leather okay. gloves, e eating the handles of tools, eating dirt, 
eating horns around the fields, uh, eating clay, any farm animal that's doing this, it's called pica. And the cribbing is there. That's the action. Like they'll ignore the feed and they'll eat the feed box. Okay. Right? They'll, they'll ignore the feed and they'll be eating dirt because they're looking for minerals. Humans, we call this munchies. When humans are eating all kinds of weird stuff or they just have uncontrollable hunger. You know, you, you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you're stuffed to the gills. And then an hour later, you're in the refrigerator, right? And your mom's saying, what, yeah, what are you doing? You, just, <laughs> yeah. you just ate a five-course meal, but you're still hungry because there's not enough minerals in it. So for farmers, they put a trace mineral salt block and bone meal out, by the way, and that stops the behavior. For humans, okay. we just think it's normal to just eat Twinkies and chips and sodas and all this stuff when, when we have these uncontrollable cravings. The cravings are caused by mineral deficiencies. So the point here is... Cannibalism is an extreme form of pica is what the theory is. I, I agree. You know, children will eat lead paint chips and, and uh, kitty litter um, in the South here in America. In, in the American South, they'll sell clay in the grocery store for pregnant women, different color clays as well. So it's, it's well known. It, it, pregnant women are famous for their crazy cravings, right? And a lot of it is right. mineral dense foods. Like and a lot of people, yeah, but which are highly salted, right? I said to fix this in animals we give them a trace mineral salt block so it's no wonder that most of the cravings for these pregnant women are salty foods even sugar has minerals in it too by the way not a good source of minerals but if your body's desperate it'll take whatever you've told it wherever you wherever you've taught your body you get minerals from especially salt you're gonna crave potato chips and candy bars candy bars sure. are loaded with salt too right basically anything that's sugary is going to be loaded with salt as well or you wouldn't be able to digest it that's the reason they do it sneaky they put salt in it then they put more sugar in it to cover up the salt so it's like <laughs> candy bars and uh, sodas all the stuff they're actually high salt as well as high as well as high sugar so it is a source of minerals you just you haven't taught your body to get minerals from the proper sources so it'll it'll tell you whatever you want you'll interpret the craving as potato chips but really it's saying i want salt and fat basically so yeah, cannibalism is the extreme form. I just mentioned that that blood stew, that uh, chocolate meat, if you've never had it, you've never experienced that buzz. You know, that's what a hardcore mineral dose will give you. Again, all the essential nutrients, not just minerals, all of them are in blood. All mammals need the same thing. So if they make this blood stew, this, this dinaguan, if they make it from pig blood or cow blood or whatever, that blood has all the same nutrients you need in it. It's a full serving, basically, of, of everything that you need. And it's it's so incredibly satisfying that I can't even describe it. So cannibalism, I, yeah, I would explain it this way. If anybody's ever gotten the taste for blood, you know, it, 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 it would <laughs> it comes, be hard to stop. Yeah. It would be hard to stop. If, if What else are you going to do? Are you going to eat bread and, and just meat and stuff? It's not going to give it to you. Right? Exactly. Whatever, wherever you were. And most of these cannibals, too, they're in kind of cities or they're in like castles you know they're they're not out there doing the peasant life because the peasants do drink blood the peasants use the entire animal they don't waste stuff so these uh people living in the cities these these uh these butchers these jack the rippers whoever whoever it is that's actually consuming the flesh i do bet that the craving is stronger than you are that the your body's smarter than you are first of all it's smarter than your doctor so that's why people go and eat, eat chips and stuff. Even if you know they're on a diet or whatever, they'll give they'll make up excuses because the craving is stronger than they are. The craving is or, stronger than, than their than their willpower is. Yeah. So what about like 
you know, like actual uh, tribal cannibalism. They they think it's like a ritual thing, right? But I would they're say lacking it's in mineral. Yeah, lacking. I would say it's in mineral deficient areas, especially New Guinea's kind of famous for it. It's not the coastal tribes, as far as I know. It's not the coastal tribes. There's all kinds of different tribes there in New Guinea, but as far as I know, it's not the coastal ones because they have more minerals out there in the sea. Right. You'd have to look deep into the demographics, but I would bet any cannibalistic society, you're going to find a barren mineral environment. So mm -hmm. they, they would become obsessed with these blood rituals and stuff because that is their only source of these minerals. That's That clears a lot up. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. So that's why I wanted your perspective on it because I knew you would have like an actual perspective about it instead of, oh, you know, these people are fucking crazy, right? No, I don't think they're crazy. It's, I mean, there's even, there's even mothers who have eaten their babies and stuff like this too, you know? And mm -hmm. again, there's kind of these stories where some of them, they're like, yeah, they did it once and then they just kept doing it. Why? Because the craving is stronger than you are. And if you just showed your body how to get all the nutrients that it needs, it's going to override your mind. It takes maybe if you have the strongest willpower in the world, but I'm saying I wouldn't blame these people for it. The horse doesn't want to eat the 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 leather glove. It's just there's minerals in there that are not in the feed, and if it's if you don't give it a salt block, it's going to have to find some other source of it. Right. That's why they also tend to eat the sweaty part. Right. There's uh, uh, not my salt. Not, not myself, but Doctor Wallach. He's worked with the Amish a lot. And yeah, there's like a farmer, humans are creatures of habit. The farmer jumps out of the wagon in the same spot every time he puts his sweaty hand on the wagon at that same spot. Every time he's out there tending the fields, the horses go and nibble on that part of the wagon because that's where the salt is, you know? Right. Okay. So <clears throat> the other part of cannibalism is, um, I don't know why I took it to the direction of cannibalism, but <laughs> Um, people who would be, you know, in a group. Let's take the uh, the movie Alive, for example, where they crash into the uh, Andes or whatever, mm -hmm. and they got no food. So they start like one guy dies, and like fuck, let's eat his ass because we have no food. Well, you ever been starving? Have you ever have you ever gone a, a week Not or two without food? Point. Not that point, but you know, I just might do it. You know, I think the longest I ever fasted was nine days, and yeah, I mean, I could have gone and eaten something, but you get very, very disoriented. First of all, you have a hard time thinking, and yeah, you get desperate. And yeah, I could, I could honestly picture doing it. I know that this has really gone in a weird direction here, but you, no, it's you okay. Can't, you, I mean, you can't blame these people. It's not just uh, that one that crashed in, in the Andes. There's also uh, Arctic explorers, you know, that got uh, got stranded out there. And yeah, what else are you going to do? You're going to catch a seal? Yeah. You, you know how to catch a seal? Right. <laughs> you got to do something. And yeah, if you could catch a bird and whatever, I mean, yeah, eat the flesh. But it's the blood that will actually nourish you more than anything. And the bone marrow, too. That would be the... the the organs, the bone marrow, the blood, these are the real nutritious parts of animals, any animal. So again, go back to what we do culturally. <clears throat> we only eat the muscle. It's basically the least nutritious part of it. You've probably heard also that like in a, a bear, an apple or whatever, the most nutritious parts are the peel and the core. They're not the, they're not the flesh. Right. The flesh is just there. It's full of sugar, just to kind of entice 
us and, and deer and birds to eat it, but the real nutrition is actually in the peel. So there's, a, you know, we just, we've chosen culturally to only eat the least nutritious part of the animal. And this is probably, this has something to do with why we see meat consumption, high meat consumption correlated with arthritis and cancer and all this stuff. I sure. eat meat, yeah. but we have to realize that when we only eat meat, we're actually creating new nutrient deficiencies. And I didn't mean for this whole thing to be about nutrition, by the way, but I, now no, that we're here. Great, dude, I, it's a learning experience for me. So keep going. Now that we're here, we might as well explain this. There's a reason why most animal feeds, especially for large animals, are based on alfalfa. It's because alfalfa has a very good ratio of calcium to phosphorus. It means it has, there's lots of, we need over 60 essential minerals. We say there's at least 60, but some of them have these very important ratios. Like we need more calcium than we need magnesium. If you take more magnesium, it actually increases your calcium need. Well, it's the same with phosphorus. There's this very important calcium to phosphorus ratio. And we know this in agriculture because we'll kill our animals if we don't get this right. So alfalfa has more calcium than phosphorus. That's the way it's supposed to be. We actually need just over two times the amount of calcium that we need phosphorus. It's basically the same for magnesium as well. You need two times more, more calcium than these other minerals. But many of our foods, including meat, organs, corn, these are high phosphorus. Colas, colas have phosphoric acid in them. And so they actually increase your calcium need because your body needs this in the blood at two to one. So if you're consuming more phosphorus, it will actually pull calcium bones from teeth. This is this is the cause of actually like receding gums, gingivitis, tooth decay, arthritis, basically osteoporosis, because our diets are too high in phosphorus. So our, our animals, we know this. And we give them alfalfa and we, we put vitamins and minerals into their feeds and, and all this stuff. But the base being alfalfa means you already start with a favorable ratio. You already start with the proper ratio. There's more calcium in the alfalfa than there is phosphorus. So now we just add other stuff to it. Point is we make sure our cows, our bulls, our sheep, our goats, our, all this stuff has the higher calcium to phosphorus. In humans, we have it completely backwards. We eat meat. We eat organs. Those are fine foods, but we have to be aware that in nature, in, in the primitive environment, in the peasant state, we eat the whole animal. And it's very interesting. I said we need just over a two to one ratio, calcium to phosphorus. The only time you find that ratio is when you eat an entire animal, except for certain plants, again, like alfalfa. If you eat an entire animal, you're getting almost exactly a two to one ratio of calcium to phosphorus. That's, again, eating the ears, eating the stomach lining, eating the fascia, which is the inner skin of every animal, including ourselves. You ever heard of like fasciitis, right? It's pain on the yes. inner skin. So we eat all that stuff. The primitive people eat all that stuff. They eat, like, again, they uh, eat the bones, they grind the bones, they boil the bones, they leach the nutrients out of the bones, they eat the bone marrow. All this stuff gets them a two-to-one ratio. There's no other way to do it, basically. And that's why for us, I we have supplements. Yeah, I have uh, plantar's fasciitis. So that's pain in the fascia. It's essentially yeah, so a calcium deficiency. At my job, I, I, I walk at least 20 kilometers per shift. And it's, it's like fucking painful when I first start out the shift and then after a while, I'm okay. It's basically calcium deficiency for this reason. Okay. Because, yeah, we, we can... I feel like calcium. I'm visiting a doctor right now on this podcast. This is crazy. Well, you kind of are. I'm not a doctor, but... <laughs> I know, I know, but you I know... I was trained by doctors. I was trained by doctors, naturopathic <clears throat> doctors. 
And yeah, we have to know this stuff. I mean, just like a farmer has to know, well, they don't have to know the, the technical details, but they won't be a profitable farmer if they don't. You try and breed animals. I was in the pet business a lifetime ago. You try and breed animals without giving them the powders, you're going to fail. <clears throat> Your yeah. snakes are going to be born with crooked spines. Your lizards aren't going to make it out of their shell properly. They're not going to form their egg tooth properly. Your rabbits will eat their babies, right? Why? Why? Because if you don't give them the rabbit pellets, they're not getting enough nutrients. And animals are smarter than you are. They'll eat their babies to recycle those nutrients. And, you, you know, you don't need to know the chemistry of why the snake powder is the snake powder <clears throat> or why the lizard powder is the lizard powder or, or what's actually in the bird pellets. But if you try and feed it salads, your bird's going to die. Sure. They're not going to breed. So you can't be a profitable farmer without knowing at least the basics of this stuff. Exactly. And, I, and I see you, your point for sure. Yeah. And, and it's the same with us. This is a business. Doctors get paid whether they get results or not. Doctors get paid whether you die on the operating table or not. You could have right. horrible results and the insurance still pays them, especially here in Canada. It doesn't matter what happens. They still get paid. They got paid for the visit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. We don't get a paid. We don't get return customers if we don't get results. So we have to do this stuff. And then they and then they get paid when they have to write a note for you. Oh, they get paid for everything, and you know, yeah. they can charge crazy amounts for everything. And why do you? Not... <laughs> this is going to take another twist. But <sighs> why do cats eat their own afterbirth? Because it's is very it... nutrient rich. It's not just cats. Deer, giraffe, elephants. Okay. No, it's just from my own personal experience. Like when I saw a cat giving birth and I was like, I saw it just like munch that shit up. I saw it like give birth to like nine kittens and I, I took one of them. But the afterbirth was just like, it was like, oh, look at that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, probably like 10 years old at the time. But, you know, it's like, holy shit, dude. Why don't, why don't humans eat their afterbirth? Some do. There are some okay, cultures okay. that do. It's a, like a sacred thing. Do they so, cook it? No, you just eat it. Okay, just ingest it just like that. Boom. And uh, for the umbilical cord, by the way, um, many creatures do actually eat the umbilical cord after and have to like break it off themselves. They can't do surgery on themselves, right? They just break it off. But in humans, if kind of how it's promoted in, in the like hippie sphere of things, but it's also what's done out there in many cultures still is the baby is left attached to the umbilical cord and the umbilical cord is big and thick at first, right? But when the baby is born and you leave it attached, that umbilical cord will just dry up eventually. Basically there's still a bunch of nutrients yep, in there. Yep. That, that's like the first meal or two or three meals for the baby. So they let it just dry up all the way. And some oh. of them do eat the umbilical cord afterwards, actually. That's super interesting, dude. But almost all animals will, will eat the placenta and <clears throat> and lick it completely off, like the deer. They'll just lick it completely off of the baby deer. Somebody told me that was like, oh, they just, cats like to clean up after themselves. So that's why they do it. And I was like, I think there's more to it than that. So it's more, it's probably more of the nutritious value of it. Animals are so smart. Yeah. Animals will go to such extreme lengths to like this is not conscious intelligence our consciousness gets in the way of intelligence actually animals will go to such crazy lengths to get minerals and stuff i mean elephants in uh, in africa and especially in southern africa they'll actually go into caves they're f very famous for this uh, they have documentaries and stuff david attenborough probably narrating it but they go deep into caves 
elephants. They're full-grown elephants, and they're they're going deep into underground caves to get minerals. Uh, wow. Parrot, parrots in the Amazon. <clears throat> Every single morning before they go out and actually find food, they go to the clay banks. They'll go to the cliff sides. Uh, goats, mountain goats, atlas mountain sheep and all this stuff, they will literally risk death to climb these uh, sheer vertical mountain faces to get the salt that oozes out of them. They're, they're risking their lives to go and get the salt before they go and try and eat the grass because they know they need the salt. Well, they don't know this, but their body knows it, that they need yeah. the salt to actually break down the grass it's, Same with their, the it's, it's their instinct right yeah you try and have a parrot and not give it a salt block your parrot's gonna die the parrots before they go out foraging for their daily meals they stop at the clay banks they stop at the the mountain faces and they fight for position basically all types of different parrots the uh, small parrots show up first off by the big parrots when they come for their salt you know half hour later or something the little parrots gotta wake up early to go and get their spot on the clay banks before the big parrots come and bully them off Animals know this. Uh, you're talking about eating placenta. Most people probably don't know this either. Rodents, basically, I think it's all rodents. At least it's almost all rodents, but I think it's all rodents. Eat their feces at night. Habitually, that's what they do. They eat oh, their feces shit. at night. So like fresh eat... out of the mud chute or what? Well, yeah, the, around the cage <laughs> and everything. And, and yeah, around their nest. You know, rodents are very... Like as soon as they shit it out, they eat it or what? At night, whatever feces are around, they will eat those feces to oh, okay, recycle okay, okay. nutrients. To recycle okay. nutrients, and it's only at night. I'm not actually sure why. I'm actually about to uh, so, start a project. It's about rodents and rabbits, and I'm transcribing and re-releasing an old textbook on on disease cool. of exotic animals. And yeah, so rodents is actually rodents, the next chapter. Rodents are in the sky. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, if if you keep their clean, if you keep their cage too clean. They'll die. <laughs> They're not going to do well. They're, they, I mean, we can have rodents live to like two or three times even their lifespan of what uh, it would say in the textbook. But one of the ways to so, actually do it is to not remove all their feces. Yeah, like leave a couple turds in there for good measure. Yeah, and some, some pet owners are so clean. I'm pretty sure some birds do this too, by the way. Some pet owners are so clean, they don't give them a chance to do this. And yeah, it's bad for their health, actually. They need to recycle those nutrients. In your guts, in a bigger animal your guts will recycle most of these B vitamins and stuff. Like you right. know, if you become a vegan, it might take you two years. Some people even say up to like five years before you completely run out of B vitamins because your body recycles them. But rodents have very small digestive systems. I think that's the main reason for it. So if they don't eat their, if they don't eat their poop at night, then their, their body just, it's not holding it enough for them to recycle some of those nutrients. Right. I'd like to know your thoughts on uh, vegans and or vegetarians. Well, this is controversial. I know this gets controversial. Because uh, the not thing that too much. the thing that I know or that I've observed about, like you know, like the East Indian culture is that they're vegan or vegetarian or whatever. They get rickets, right? Like they walk with a limp or whatever because they're not getting enough of whatever it is that's in meat. That's what I've. That was a myth, a myth, I guess. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we mentioned at the beginning that I have twice as much Indian followers as Canadian followers. So I, I talk to a lot of Indians. There's this idea that, oh, Indians are vegetarian, but then you're not following it up with the, the second question. Well, are they healthy? The answer is no, right. they're not very healthy. In, India doesn't have a very impressive lifespan. Uh, none of the longest of people or populations, to my knowledge, are, are from India. 
I can't think of any famous examples off the top of my head. I mean, the current record holder for the longest lived person that we agree on, that Guinness World Records agrees on, was an old French lady, Jean Calmet. She lived to 122. The uh, second uh, woman, the oldest woman alive just died. Her name was Kane Tanaka. I'm going to look that up right now. I think she died at 119. 119. So she just died at holy uh, shit. Uh, Japanese. She's Japanese. They're not Indian, is what I'm saying. They're not Indian. Yeah. So to say that, oh, well, Indians eat vegetarian. Okay, well, I have Indians bugging me every single day with all kinds of different diseases. And most of them are actually caused by gluten intolerance. I can see that. And most of them are actually fatty nutrient deficiencies. That's what I see all the time in Indians. Fatty nutrient deficiencies because they're vegetarian or vegan. Because it's, it's very hard to fatty nutrients especially if you're not on the seaside if you're not eating fish if you're not eating shellfish if you're not eating you know crabs and lobsters and stuff you're just not getting enough fatty nutrients are you eating avocados you know six times a day it's just it's hard to do so fatty nutrient deficiency is the biggest problem i see in indians and it's because they're eating a lot of gluten inflaming the intestines they're not eating eggs they're not eating butter they're not, you know, a lot of them are not. They're vegetarian. And my advice to them is to stop being a vegetarian. And it's, it, again, it irks some people. They're doing it for cultural reasons. Well, hey, your culture can be wrong. All, all cultures have stupid things about them. Oh, for all, sure. All cultures these days eat gluten. So I hear this all the time, too. You know, I, but, I, but my, I eat chapati bread all the time. Well, let's stop it. You know, but my family's Italian. My, but my family's Polish. But my family is... Right, right. Every culture does it has these But I dishes. have to do this because my family does it. Yeah, so so no you don't. <laughs> but yeah, Indian the problem is vegetarian. Let's let's talk deeper about this. There's not one second generation vegan colony on earth. Let me explain this. The first generation is not you being a vegan. Let's say you and I went vegan right now or me and my wife went vegan. We're not the first generation. We would have to have children. That's the first generation because they have to be raised vegan. I've been eating meat my whole life. I, was, I actually was vegan, vegetarian for a while, a couple of years. But that's not the first generation. We're just playing around with it. If you, if you go vegan now and you weren't raised vegan, you're not a first generation vegan. First generation would be our children who was raised vegan. And what I said was there's not a single example of a second generation vegan colony anywhere on earth. Because, well, we say because it's not even possible. Your sex hormones are made of cholesterol. Your testosterone is literally made from cholesterol. Estrogen is made from cholesterol. Progesterone is made from cholesterol. Progesterone, you could think of it as progestation. It is the pro-pregnancy hormone, progesterone. It's made from cholesterol. If you avoid cholesterol for two generations, it's not happening. If you raise your children without cholesterol, their livers can't produce enough. Your body will go into overdrive and produce as much cholesterol as it can if, if you don't provide it with cholesterol. But it has to do that from the other fatty nutrients, which are very, very difficult to get on a vegan diet. Again, I don't know. very Avocados, like not much else comes to mind. Vegetarian's a different story, right? People get caught up in here. <clears throat> There's very famous books like the, uh, the China Study or the Okinawa Program and many others that, that are like, well, these cultures are vegetarian. Vegetarian doesn't mean anything. Vegetarian, you could eat chicken if you want. You could eat eggs if you want. You could eat, you could eat fish if you want. You, you could eat red meat if you want. I don't know. It's, there's no definition of what a vegetarian is. So as long as you're getting any source of cholesterol, I don't care which one it is in the business. I don't care which one it is. I don't care if you eat fish. I don't care if you eat 
eggs or, or chicken or, or whatever. You just need some source of cholesterol. So whatever a vegetarian means, it doesn't really mean anything technical. Vegan removes all of these. So your body has to produce all of the cholesterol. And the point is, it's probably just not going to do it enough. It's not going to make enough. You need quite a lot. Cholesterol is in every single one of your cells. Cholesterol is what makes the, the cell membrane. And you can think of membrane as the brain of the cell. You can remove the nucleus from a cell. The cell still survives. It can't survive without a membrane, especially in, a, in an organism like us. Your membrane on each single, every single cell in the body, and I'm going rapid here. I don't want to be too technical, but it's, it's worth okay. understanding that the, uh, the membrane of every cell is semi-permeous. Think of it as a fatty layer, right? Think of it as uh, oil on top of water. It's, a, it's a, a penetrative barrier, but you can get through it. You can push, push your finger through it. It'll let some things in and, let some, and not let other things in. If you don't have enough cholesterol, the cell hardens up. Right? You see people get hard when they're on statin drugs. Their skin starts to get hard and everything starts to harden up because the cells actually need that fatty membrane uh, to, to look proper and to act proper, but also to let nutrients in and out, let waste out, you know, let oxygen in and out. I mean, sure. These, uh, these things like insulin, you know, insulin shows up at the outside of a cell and it tells the cell, hey, I'm, I need to be let in. Right. I mean, that's just one example of thousands and thousands of different hormones and messenger signals and all the stuff that communicates with the cell membrane. The cell membrane is only able to function when it is actually partially uh -huh. cholesterol. It's not completely cholesterol. So I'm just saying that on the cellular level, cholesterol is ridiculously important. On the hormonal level, cholesterol is ridiculously important. You don't have hormones without cholesterol. You don't have glands without cholesterol. You don't have testicles without cholesterol. Your testicles are largely made of cholesterol. Your thyroid's largely <laughs> made of crazy, cholesterol. Dude. Your pineal gland's largely made of cholesterol. You know what? Uh, people talk about uh, pineal calcification. You know what it's caused by? Cholesterol deficiency. The pineal gland is made of cholesterol. Right? The, um, uh, the uh, hypothalamus, I mean, the, the brain is largely made of cholesterol, right? We were talking about earlier MS, ALS, Alzheimer's disease. And I mentioned that one of the crazy stupid pieces of advice that doctors give you is to avoid cholesterol. Well, that's how you get dementia. It's one of the ways that you're going to get dementia. Right, because right, right. The, uh, the characteristic of MS and Alzheimer's is called demyelination. We get, we get lost in these Latin words. This is what it means. All of your nerves are coated in this white material called myelin. That myelin is largely made cholesterol. It's cholesterol. So if you avoid cholesterol, again, your body does go into hyperdrive, but I just named some of the things that cholesterol does. The, uh, you, your body needs cholesterol in every single cell for its, for its uh, membrane. It needs it for all its hormones. All the glands are literally made largely of cholesterol. And then it needs it to coat every single nerve in the body. So you create a deficiency. I mean, this is a lot of work this cholesterol needs to do. Your body can't produce that much. So there is no second generation vegan colony on earth because to us, it's physically impossible. You need too much cholesterol to make this happen. And cholesterol is only made by animals. You can't eat plants for that. You can get a certain amount of omegas. Like that's not just omegas. Like it's, it's like, sorry, it's not just avocados. It's like primrose oil. And like, yeah, there's, there's certain plant foods that you could get some omegas from and your body out of desperation will, will again, go into super overdrive to make cholesterol out of that. But it's not going to keep up. It's not going to grow a baby, you know, it's, yeah, so yeah. there is people say, oh, you could be vegan. Well, based on what there is no second think, generation vegan colony. I think there's got to be like some sort of a balance, right? One of the commonalities in 
there's many commonalities between the longest of people, but it's not what they eat. Let me repeat that. The longest of people live all over the world. Jean Calmet in France, she ate something completely different from Kane Tanaka in Japan. The people in Hunza, the Hunza Mountains, eat a completely different diet from the people in Lake Titicaca. Completely different. They're almost nothing in common. Maybe they both eat garlic and onions or whatever, but people get caught up on those commonalities, whereas we're saying actually the food is like the least important thing here. It's not what's important. Their high mineral take is important. Low calories is important. They don't eat very much food. They do eat a variety of nutrients, right? So not just high nutrient. They do get high minerals, but they also get the variety. All of that includes cholesterol. So again, they make this hype out of vegetarians saying, oh, they're eating mostly vegetables. That's not the important point. The important point is that they're not eating a ton of calories in total, and they are getting enough cholesterol, and they are getting tons of minerals, and they are getting tons of antioxidants, and they're getting the rare earth minerals, the super, super, super trace minerals that are you know, known to double lifespans of laboratory animals, and this is why they're part of animal feeds now. So that's their commonalities. It's not the food. None of them eat that much food. We Mineral. eat too much. Minerals seem to be the most important thing. Minerals will come up again and again. You, you just can't escape that. There are no longest of cultures that live in, in mineral deficient soils. That's just period. There are no longest lived cultures that eat the amount of calories that we do. We eat so much food. You know, oh, I yeah. Think, I think that's because we're starving too. We're starving for minerals. That's why we eat so for much minerals, food. For minerals, yeah. But it's, they also don't have junk food. Right? They, they, don't have, they don't have KFC. They also don't have doctors. Let's throw that in there. The longest of cultures don't have doctors. Find some of the <laughs> oldest people. Doctors you know. to kill them. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a story. I know we're kind of got off the vegan thing, but I think I kind of answered it. There is no... Actually, let me finish this off. Some people will be like, well, what about these monks and these monasteries and stuff? I say, how do you think they reproduce? They don't. They take vows of celibacy and they recruit <laughs> new members. They don't. Right, right. right? So there's no colony on earth anywhere, anywhere in history for you to tell me about, you know, anybody can go and find that and email me or something, you know, it just doesn't exist. I've been in this business a long time, read all the books there. Any of them that are promoting veganism is weird because they're talking about the China study. They're talking about the Okinawa program or whatever. And then they're saying you should be vegan. But in their books, they're showing how they're vegetarian. They're not vegan, which again, does not mean they eat all vegetables. It means they eat a lot of vegetables. They eat a lot of fruit. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm saying if you cut out that crucial part of cholesterol, primarily cholesterol and connective tissue, I'd throw that in there too. You know, your body, again, if it's desperate, it can take certain parts of plants and really try hard. Sulfur compounds mainly, especially, you know, garlic, onions. It'll try real hard to make what it needs, but it's way more efficient when you just eat joints. When you just eat joints, you give your body what it needs to make its own joints. It doesn't have to take extra steps and, and all this stuff. So yeah, there's no second generation vegan colony. And the story I was going to tell, and I don't know how long we've got here, but it's worth mentioning because I said doctors, right? The longest of populations don't have doctors. They don't have dentists. So they don't have pharmaceutical drugs. They don't have surgeries that could kill them accidentally. You know, they don't, they don't have any of this stuff. They're on their own. And if they, uh, if they break a limb, they have to set it back and then let it heal, you know, and, and take it easy and, and drink some bone soup or whatever their grandma tells them. People uh -huh. think that there's like shamans out there and stuff. Like I said, I've lived in the Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica, 
I've never met a shaman. Most of the time, if you get hurt, they tell you to drink salt water, you know, or they tell you to put your foot in the salt water or put the wound in the salt water, like seawater. You know, they, they don't have special herbs and stuff. They tell you to rest and drink water and, you know, like they, they don't have fancy herbs. They don't have magic medicine. They don't have voodoo people or whatever. Maybe there are some of those people, but that's not how they live this long. One of the factors of why they live so long is they don't have doctors. Doctors can't kill them prematurely. Doctors can't give them terrible advice, like telling them to avoid salt and cholesterol, you know, or again, advising them to have a knee replacement surgery instead of having bone meal or something like that. So doctors is actually a really big factor on uh, lowering people's lifespans. And I know people are going to say, oh, but we live longer now, don't we? Well, yeah, we live longer because we don't have child mortality that high anymore. Although, by the way, the U.S. and Canada are ranking pretty horrifically in the world uh, stage here. We're, we're not actually getting that much better. In fact, we're, get, we're getting slightly worse at child mortality and even uh, uh, maternal mortality. We're, we're not the greatest in the world. At having... There's a lot. There's a lot of different factors to that as well. Yeah. So I just <laughs> let, let's just say this. One of the biggest factors for the low lifespan, <clears throat> like you hear, Oh, in the 1800s, you were only going to live to uh, 30 years old. Okay, well, Michelangelo lived to like 90 something, you know, back in the Renaissance. And he's just one example of many, many. The point here is that most people actually died of violence. Violence was uh, one of the biggest causes of death, especially in males. There's an excellent book called The, uh, the Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker. And uh, War Before Civilization by, <clears throat> I can't remember, but they, they both go into this uh, myth of the noble savage. You know, people think that these uh, these uh, uh, people were all peaceful before. Well, it, actually, no. It seems that hunter-gatherers are the most violent people, like, per capita that we've ever seen. And so civilization has actually brought with us a drastically and continuously reduced death rate from violence. So <clears throat> the reason we have a higher lifespan now on average is because we don't die of violence very often now. And we have gotten better at not killing our babies and stuff like that. That stuff drags down the, the averages big time. If you have a bunch of one-year-olds die, that's dragging down your population average big time. So I'm just saying, everybody knows that there was old people in the past. It's not like we couldn't live to 90 and 100 in the past. It's just that lots of people died young from violence, probably from parasites too. I'll give credit to modern medicine that one of the few things it's good at is killing parasites. And people bash this clean living that we have. They say, oh, we've we've uh, become too obsessed with like disinfecting and stuff. And I agree to a degree, but I think our living indoors and such has actually kept us away from many parasites. I almost died from a parasite once. It, it, it can be horrific. That probably dragged the birth, uh, the death rate down. My, probably, my sister probably... had a my sister had a tapeworm way back in the day. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's just one terrifying. of the few things that actual medicine can do. Like it, it can actually kill your tapeworm very, very efficiently. It's one of the good things. It's one of the only things that the philosophy of, of allopathic medicine works for. You have a parasite, you poison the parasite. It just it doesn't work that way for uh, arthritis or diabetes because you don't have something right. Diabetes isn't something you have. It's a deficiency. You yeah, it's not something you possess. It's a they don't, like, allopathic doesn't like to talk about deficiencies, do they? They don't really recognize them. They only really recognize the easy ones, like scurvy. like we were discussing. Yeah, like we were discussing before about like dementia, right? Like the B twelve. It's like so, something so simple like that. Oh, yeah, they never bring it up. They they yeah. they ignore that part of the textbook and like a, blame your genes. Ryan, uh, my my mother is in a nursing home right now for the past eight 
nine years with dementia and she never i don't think she ever took fucking b12 man or i bet no one ever told her no probably not i didn't fucking discover it until now and the same thing they would give her terrible advice like stay off cholesterol and uh stay yeah off yeah and they give them ensure it's a product called ensure or something yep, similar yep. which is basically just corn oil which is mm-hmm. uh, it kills the brain basically it, it oxidizes it causes damage causes causes liver spots causes you know we need antioxidants to combat oxidized particles so corn oil is basically a hundred percent free radical oxidized particles trans fatty acids you know right so it, it's one of the worst things ever yeah doctors have some some insanely bad advice and that's one of them you know avoid the stuff you need for your brain cholesterol and saturated fat avoid the yeah, salt avoid- that you need. To- you know, we didn't even talk about salt other than stomach acid. You need it for your stomach acid, but you need it for like so many. You need it for nerve transactions. Like you can't work properly without salt. They give you that advice, and then they give you corn oil, basically raw yeah. corn oil that's going to uh, damage every cell in your body, but particularly the nervous system. Right. So, do you think there's like some kind of grand conspiracy to like bring us down and make us unhealthy? What are your thoughts on that? Since we, since this is a conspiracy podcast, what are your thoughts on that? Because this is kind of synchronistic right now that we're having this conversation because my last episode, <clears throat> uh, we, I just posted a reel about it the other day and it's getting a lot of views and it's like the Hippocratic Oath in itself is basically taking a, uh, it's like a prayer to Apollyon, which is a fucking demon, like a demonic entity. And so the the Hippocratic Oath doesn't mean anything when it comes in regards to uh, what it is that like doctors want to do to protect us. Well, do you know anything about that? I did see your post. Yes, I did see your post. Okay, and. I would say I'm going to come in here and be a little bit nice to the actual doctors because they can take this oath, but what does that mean when they literally the, the only thing they're taught? Yeah, they don't know. Literally, the only thing they're, ta- they're taught is drugs, tests, and surgery. That's not an exaggeration. That's what they're taught, drugs, tests, and surgery. So I was born with birth defects. My mom's OBGYN, the guy who birthed me, I don't think he's a bad guy. He doesn't know right. about this. Right, exactly. He doesn't know about this. So no one told my mom. They don't teach it in school. They don't teach it in doctor school. My doctor, you know, I had childhood arthritis. I said he gave me drug after drug, but, you know, he also recognized I would go in and say, hey, doc, this isn't working. Or, you know, I I feel like a zombie on this drug, you know, or just I'm on this painkiller, but I'm still in pain. You would say, "Okay, we'll stop taking it. We could try another one. You know, he he wasn't pushy with me or anything like that. He just sure. sure. No, he doesn't know. Yeah, he's there to do what he can. They want to try to like they want to try to make you better, but they don't really know that what they're doing is they're they're constantly pushing sorcery on you, pharmacia. It's a sad situation. It really, it is. Really is. It's really corrupt. It's really fucking unfortunate that we're all getting the fucking short end of the stick, including the doctors. So we we only see like on TV and stuff, I'm thinking of like ER and like house and, and even you see like psychologists on TV, they're usually portrayed as, as somewhat of heroes, you know, they're, they're actually making the difference. Sure. You know, even the psychotherapy, like I read a lot of books on by psychologists and 
seems a lot of them actually disagree about how they practice it, but you just don't see that on TV. You see heroic medicine. You see it when it works. You see the doctor or the smart character come up with the thing that works. Of right? course, you, you, you see always. The therapy help. You see them yeah. save lives. Now there is such a thing as heroic medicine. Let's give them credit. If you get shot by a bullet, if you get hit by a car, don't come to me. I know about nutrition. I know about you know some herbs and stuff like that. But you no, know, you go to a medical doctor because the things that they're good at is saving your life from trauma, trauma care, life-threatening infections. They do have some crazy chemicals that can kill a lot of the the, the most insane parasites that we have in this world. Excuse me, the most insane insane parasites that we have in this world from from Lyme disease and stuff from from ticks and fleas and mosquitoes like. Babesia is another one that keeps coming up recently that we're not going to get into, but these are microscopic parasites. Then there's all the things up to tapeworms and all this. You go to a doctor for those things. We will say, sure, try the natural stuff. But if you're bleeding from the ears, like I was, you know, from something I caught from a flea in Scarborough, Toronto, Holy fuck that I, I went to my doctor, my doctor who couldn't help me with my childhood arthritis, my doctor who couldn't help me with my Tourette's, my doctor who couldn't help me with my pain. But bam, he gave me the antibiotics and I was fixed. It saved my life, right? They're good at that. They're good at trauma care because it's mechanical too, right? They, they have failed medical theories for chronic disease, for degenerative disease. They suck at degenerative disease. And they're, they're, the, the ego involved with being a doctor prevents them, I think, from even considering a lot of other theories, not just nutrition. Also EMF, that's another one we don't have time to get into. It's something mm -hmm. that even people in the nutrition world are not open to. Many of them are not open to. So there's ego in, in uh, you know, they say science progresses one funeral at a time. A great book for listeners, you know, who like to look into things. Thomas Kuhn's The, Sci the Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he talks about how people are taught things and then, they, you know, they are basically unable to challenge them. Basically, the yeah. old guard has to die out. The old guard right. has to die out. So right now, like on Instagram, I'm seeing lots of new young doctors like Dr. James D. Nico Lantonio with the Bradley Cattle. Yes, yes, he's one. And the uh, the carnivore MD, Paul Saladino. You know, this is the new guard who's coming up. And they're, they have confused ideas, too, about certain <clears> things, <throat> but they're replacing the old guard. So science progresses one funeral at a time. And there are certain things they're good at, but anybody, especially in these very prestigious positions, you know, you're, you're conspiracy. I'm sure your, your show has talked about frauds in space and all, all this stuff, you know, all, oh, all, sure. these, all these false ideas in science that similarly, they will have to die out. They, they will have to be overcome by the new breed who's taught new things and they will hold on to those ideas too. Right? That's the thing that the new guard will hold on to their ideas the new people who are taught carnivore are probably going to hold on to that for quite a while. And then that sure die out. This is how ideas progress. It's so, yes. And so they've been taught some things that they are good at. And this is where they've got their hero status from. And also just by calling themselves heroes and, you know, the same people, again, the Rockefellers, this is not, we're not just throwing, we're not just name dropping there. Literally the Flexner report in, in 1910 was literally funded by the Rockefellers, by the Carnegie's, you know, in order to, only fund allopathic medicine. So they basically just defunded every other field of medicine. Those are the same people who run the education system. Those are the same people who run the De education yeah. system. Defunded right. and deplatformed. So anybody that takes a stance against that is demonized. Well, we know that these cabals and stuff run 
run Hollywood and run all these, run the music industry and all this stuff. So this is, of course, why do you think we only hear praise about allopathic medicine? Because this is part of the same system. It's a different tentacle of the exact same octopus. So there's that. But you asked, is this a conspiracy? Well, in the original days, probably. And when we're talking about, you know, the Masonic thing, like you heard that talk that I did with uh, Dr. Tahuti Patah. Yep. He says, he says straight up, yeah, man, this is a cabal that runs the world. So they know what they're doing. The higher ups know what they're doing. But does my family doctor know what they're doing? No, no, my, no. I mean, my family doctor, he's, I have nothing against him. I just I feel bad for that, him, basically that yeah. he has a job that he doesn't know how to help chronic disease. And he's got all these. And that, and that goes that uh, sure. And that goes the same with anybody on the lower level. They don't know what they're doing. They, they think they know what they're doing, but they don't really because the, and this is where the puppet master comes into play. It's like. Yeah, be my puppet. You don't know that you're my puppet, but that's okay because you're going to get it out there anyway. And that's, I, th I think that's how this system operates is that, you know, we go through an education system. We have to go into debt. And then in the medical industry, it's I have to start my own practice <clears throat> so I can pay off my debt. So I'm going to sell my soul to the pharmaceutical industry, not knowing that this is what I have to do to make money and, and like without knowing that you're harming people or whatever, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not really doing it. And they got such a grip on us mentally and physically and spiritually that we don't fucking know where the hell we're at, dude. True. And yeah, doctors in medical school too. And I'm sure there are some that just, they do it. The mass, the massive career. amounts the massive amounts of debt that they go through in order to get that degree. And then they have to start a practice and then to make money to get out of debt, they got to push pharmaceuticals. Well, also keep in mind that most of the people who become doctors, I don't want to say most because it's, it's a, a quantifiable thing. It's like literally more than half. Let's just say many, many people who become doctors, they do it because this is part of what wealthier people do. They send their kids to be doctors and lawyers. And yes. So the and they don't class necessarily, people, they don't necessarily want to do it, but their, their father or mother is forcing them to do it. Well, this was part of also this Carnegie uh, Rockefeller Flexner report thing. When they only funded medical schools, they also increased the price of medical schools at the same time. And I do sure. think that was on purpose because then you keep the riffraff out, right? People like you and me, grew up in the working class. I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know much about you, but I'm, just, yep. I'm assuming by the way you talk and whatever, whatever that you know, we're working class people. It was never even a thought in my mind. It would be a, a doctor. My parents Same would, here, yeah. would have been like, what? <laughs> go get a scholarship. And, yeah, that's <laughs> I don't have money for that shit. <laughs> yeah. I got kicked out of high school, man. I'm not doing, I'm not going to <laughs> be a doctor. So it's, it's a very um, class based thing actually. And other cultures work very hard. Like, you know, us in Toronto, there's lots of Indian people. There's lots of Chinese people. Well, they work very, very hard. They own a convenience store. They own a gas station. They work. They save their money to send their kids to school to go be a doctor or something. So they want them to enter that class. It's kind of a class-based thing. You don't find very many working class doctors is, is my point here. So it, that's part of keeping it in this control class as well on the mm -hmm. conspiracy level that we're talking about. But Definitely. Let me, let me say also that I read a lot of generic health books because that's mostly what's out there. 
And uh, last month, even I read a couple of books like about uh, chemotherapy and, and about uh, thyroid. And if I didn't know better, the books make it sound number one, like it is actually a good idea. Like they, I couldn't believe I was reading this chemotherapy and radiation survival guide. And it actually made it sound like this works. They kind of explained it like, oh, yeah, you know, we we just target the uh, tumor with this beam of radiation. They, they simplify it. They simplify it, but it sounds like it works. Number one. Number right. two, since they don't know anything else or they don't write about anything else, I don't know any other options. If I didn't know there was other options, reading that book, The Chemotherapy and Radiation Survival Guide, I wouldn't think there was other options. You, you can't know what you don't know. Right. So th this blind spot exists all throughout medicine. I'm sure there are some people who who are in the know, but I bet that none of those people are actual practicing doctors. So those, the decision makers don't make music. Right. The decision makers don't make movies. They set the policies and they set the framework and they they set the, the pieces on the chessboard so that the players, the other players in the pawns, they're the ones that do it. Right. I, exactly. I, I can't imagine any of these movers and shakers actually being a practicing doctor. Exactly. Being a practicing doctor actually kind of sucks, by the way. You have to deal with sick people and all this stuff. They, I mean, they talk about uh, 48 hours, 36 hours working straight. They got to do all these and stuff. The, the controllers are not going to do that stuff. The controllers of set course. the policies. Just like the, just like if you work at like a corporation and you're sitting in your office and, and like being a tyrant and, you know, just uh instructing other other people from the top to the bottom to do what you don't do it's the same thing the hierarchy is fucking everywhere dude from like the control of the world the control of the system it's everywhere man and that's what i'm saying like the tentacles you brought up earlier like the t each tentacle is like from the main octopus. Who's the main octopus, right? Yeah, well, I would say that there there is this um, controlling cabal. I mean, that Mason, uh, Freemason, Doctor Patuti, Doctor Tahuti Pata. I mean, I believe him. I said in the intro that like I, I, you could see that he wasn't answering so many different things that I just actually take him at face value on what he did answer, and it, he was straight up. Yeah, man, there's a controlling. I don't know, he's not going to give me the details, but no. Yeah, like, a, that's an easy thing to fucking really wrap your mind around for even non-conspiracy theorists, that there is a hierarchy, and the hierarchy <clears throat> does not give a shit about you on the individual ground level. It just is what it is. It's There's always a hierarchy. So uh, we do got to kind of wrap this up. Let me throw some things in here. Look at uh, Look at the COVID thing. And I'm glad we can even use these words now. I know it's not censored on podcasts. And it's, that's great. It's, I got so annoyed on Instagram that I can't even use these words. Uh, it's so gay, dude. Talk, talk about reality. But that's actually a good example. How did they create the pandemic? Uh, mostly through censorship. Because if the average person had actually all the information out there, if it wasn't censored that masks don't work, if it wasn't censored that vaccines are poisonous, if it wasn't censored that all, all this stuff, the death rates were all inflated, and da, 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 that uh, respirators kill people, right? Uh, or sorry, ventilators kill people, and they have to uh, basically put you into a coma to put you on a respirator, and that's what, or sorry, a ventilator. That's what makes the money. If they had that information, they wouldn't have done it, probably. A lot of people would have said no. A lot of people would have said, hey, wait a minute, aren't the ventilators killing people? 
how do you know it's a virus if you put them on the ventilator and then they die? But the people who don't go on a ventilator don't die. I mean, I'm in the health business. You know, everybody who told me they got COVID and they didn't go on a ventilator, they lived. <laughs> Whereas it's not right. funny. Actually. This killed my grandpa. Uh, he didn't even have COVID. They went. He went into the uh, hospital in, in Mississauga, there, West Toronto, and it was like Christmas. Um, it was Christmas Day, I think. Of uh, this is like after the pandemic. This is like last year. You know, he went in and they put him on a ventilator. He didn't have COVID or anything. Bam, he's dead. You know, and this happened. I, I'm I sorry, probably, dude. I, I'm, I'm sorry, too. Thank you. This was uh, probably the main cause of death for anybody. It was actually ventilators. And the drugs they put you on before the ventilators, you know, they put you into a coma, basically, to jam a tube down your throat. And, yeah, ventilators are deadly. We've known this for a, ever, as long as we've been using ventilators. They're a deadly thing. So I'm saying that. It's censorship was the primary way that they actually created the pandemic and fake news. You know, I do have oh, yeah. let me, let me plug this. I made these documents. Well, all that came, all that censorship came in right when COVID happened. Well, yes, yes. I had never seen any government links be attached to my. Yeah, there was nothing like, like that before that. So I, I made this documentary in 2021 because I was so irritated by what was going on. I called it Wag the Dog Theory. And it's on wagthedogtheory.com. There's three of them there. They're quite long. And a lot of it is stuff that's banned elsewhere. And it's basically about fake news because it's named after this movie, this 1997 movie, Wag the Dog. It's got uh, Robert Hoffman. De Niro in it and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. <coughs> any, any conspiracy person that hasn't seen Wag the Dog, you need to stop what you're doing and go see Wag the Dog because it literally explains how the media basically can create anything out of nothing. And, and they made it manipulate us on uh, through the masses. Uh, yeah, and I absolutely think that all news is fake. And that that ties in with the Ukraine war, the proxy war as well. Well, yeah, I put that in part two. I put some fake footage from Ukraine. I've got some more, too. I'm going to come out with part four. I'm going to do one part every year, basically. And Yeah, Good there's shit. lots of stuff about how all this stuff is, is fake. But my point is, this is a two-pronged system. Number one, they put out fake stuff like the people falling down in China. That was fake. That's what Wag the Dog Part 1 was all about. Or, you know, that's the basis of it. That's what got me fired up, basically. I'm in the health business. I'm watching at the beginning Chinese people falling down on the streets dead. Never happened anywhere else. I'm saying, how can anybody be believing this? Because they're selling us this virus based on people falling down in China dead on the streets, falling down, uh, falling on stairs, falling, you know. They're literally dropping dead in the streets and they're saying that's what's going to happen here. Well, that never happened anywhere else. And I'm wondering... That's why I waited until 2021. I said, how the heck did people buy this? Did they forget that this is what they showed us? This is what they showed the pandemic was. This is what they showed us was coronavirus. People dropping dead this in is, the streets. In China. Yeah, this is, this is what we were thinking was going to happen over but here. it never happened. And so after a year of it not happening, I couldn't believe anybody would still believe it. Nobody dropped dead in any other country. No Chinese people dropped dead in, in, in America. You know, why is it only people in China dropping dead? Okay, I was expecting so. some of my friends to fucking drop dead, even though I knew it was bullshit. Like, I knew that it wasn't going to happen, but, like, I was waiting for it and it never happened. You know what I mean? It's like... Of course. Me, me, my, coworker, my coworkers and I knew this was all bullshit. And we're like, why isn't it... We were, we're talking to each other, like, why isn't anybody fucking dropping dead? Exactly. This is what they showed bullshit. us was going to happen. This is how how it works this is how wag the dog theory works they show you a bit of fake footage they get you all riled up with that right it's not just people falling dead in china they show you some uh some u.s marines pretending to be al-qaeda pretending to be isis they show you a 15 second clip on the news get you all scared get you all riled up 
create some new legislation, shift billions of dollars of our money into some BS black budget project or whatever. They show you some Ukraine. footage. That's how it starts. They show you some footage, <laughs> which, it, which is easy to make. And then they censor everything else. This is a two-pronged system. They show you some BS that's easy to make in a studio or whatever. And then they censor, they censor, they censor, they censor. This is how it is controlled. This is how the pandemic was created because information was actually censored. So this is, yeah, this we're, is we're living 1984, bro. Exactly. And when you're talking about individual doctors, individual nurses, individual Karens and Kevins, you can't blame them that much because the censorship works so well. Even if you can, even if you can kind of get upset that they didn't realize the footage was fake, or they won't admit the footage is fake, or, or you know they won't see the logic in that Chinese people that dropping dead doesn't equal us, you know, locking down over here when no one's dropped dead over here, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You can't blame them so much because the censorship part is the main part of it. That's the main thrust of it. Yeah. History, history is erased through censorship. You know, uh, ideologies are changed through censorship, and yeah, most of the stuff we talked about today. It's not out there because of censorship. All they do is just not put it in the uh, Hill McGraw textbook. You know, none of this stuff is in the textbook. That's it. That's well, that's how we don't know it. That's how my mom didn't know it. That's why I was born with birth defects. That's why my doctor didn't know it, because it just is not in the books. That's what censorship does. So not everything has to be an actual like studio production. It, this can be done through censorship. You can actually just completely control a culture through censorship. What do you think deters people from actually digging and searching for the truth? Well, last question. That's the last question. Because <laughs> we're over two hours now. I could go for hours with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, a lot of us stumbled onto this by accident. You know, me, I had health problems and I, I stumbled onto the solution. Sure. sure. My, my buddy told me about this thing who got it from a bus driver who got it from this other guy and Dr. Wallach, who is the guy that really like trained me, he's, I'm his disciple, basically. Mm. Um, he stumbled onto this because he also had health problems, very similar ones, you know, the childhood arthritis right. and the threats and the violent outbursts. That's and a nice natural way of like teaming up, right? <clears throat> well, yeah, he's 50 years older than me, too. So this happened, you know, way back. This happened in like the 40s and early 50s where his doctors back then couldn't fix him. He's nurse- going to be pushing. He's probably pushing 90 now, right? Uh, he's 84. He's just about to turn 84. Yeah, yeah. So um, he was going to all these different doctors. He was having all these violent outbursts and stuff. This is his story. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But they couldn't okay. help him. So he stumbled onto a, a book, a nurse's book or a veterinary book or something that mentioned that his that muscle spasms were caused by calcium deficiency, basically. And he, that's one of his problems. He was going into uh, tetany, basically, when you kind of lock up your whole body. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like a, a whole body <clears throat> crop, a whole bottle muscle yeah. cramp. Yeah, tetany. So he was trying to fix that primarily, not his violent outbursts. And he saw calcium. So he just knew he was on a farm, he, a farm in Missouri. He just knew that their calves, their cows, had pellets that were high in calcium. So by his words, he threw his cereal out, ate calf pellets with his milk, and in three days he was fixed. So th- that's an accident. Damn. He, he credits God with this, right? I, you know, I will say this, basically the same thing too. It's fates, you know? So you say, how do people not look into the truth, I think was your question. Well, I mean, if you're just going about life, it's not going to really find you unless it finds you. I don't know. That's not a good way to put it. But if you're just going to school, you're not going to learn this. It's not taught in school. Uh, you're busy. You're busy. You got to go to work. You got to, you know, you got a girlfriend. You got all this stuff. I, I grew up in the cities and suburbs. You don't have time for almost anything. 
If yeah. you're caught up in the system, you don't have time for anything. I became a hobo in life. I became a traveling drifter. You know, I had plenty of time to stumble onto all kinds of things. <laughs> I've come across, <laughs> we could have whole different conversations. I've stumbled across all kinds of weird things because I had the time. You know, my head uh, was not in the phone. I, I was in poverty too. You know, when we're, it's a, it's a weird thought actually. We have so much abundance that we have so much stuff and we have so much stuff to occupy us. You know, I didn't have a TV for most of my life. Right. I can't, I, I can't we don't have watch time TV. To, we don't have time to fucking think for ourselves. That's a problem. Nothing. The average person's got no time. They wake up. They got to eat. They got to go to work. They got to work. They got to come back to work. They, they got to go grocery shopping. They got to they got to feed the kids. They gotta, I hate they gotta, it, man. They got no time for anything. So you got to stumble on the truth. You got to have some time to, to look into this. And yeah, fate is part of this too. You know, maybe not all of us are meant for the truth. I, I'm not sure, but the point is, it's definitely not the uh, natural course to stumble on the truth. The truth is well hidden, and we're well preoccupied, probably purposely, at least you know, partially on purpose here, that we are so distracted, that we're so dependent on the system, and it's so expensive now. I mean, forget about a conspiracy. Life has become so expensive for the average oh, yeah. person. Especially in the city and the suburb, like you see all these memes that you know you have to work, you have to work two jobs, and your your boyfriend girlfriend has to work two jobs just so that you can share a crap apartment, <laughs> a yeah. garbage apartment, literally like a one bedroom apartment with fucking tiny little kitchen and shit. It's, it's bullshit. Yeah, cockroaches and stuff in it, and yeah, you can still barely afford that. It doesn't have to be this way, I don't think, but it is what it is, and it fucking sucks ass. But well, I promise it, there's more conspiracy or uh, like truth minded or open people. There's more of them in the country. I live way out in the deep country. Disproportionately, there's more awake people out there. They just have more time. Life is slower. You have time yeah, to, to yeah. talk and, and chat. You know, you get annoyed sometimes in the grocery store because the, the cashier is chatting with someone the next person in line and you know i'm used to being in the city suburb like let's go you know no for for me though when i hear a chat ahead of me i'm fucking chiming in i'm like yeah dude what are you guys talking about you know no it is it is nice i know just my city instincts kick in but yeah that what i mean though these people have the time they actually have the time so just disproportionately people who have more time and the poor people too people on welfare <laughs> and stuff you know they, they actually do they have more time to stumble onto information they have more time to just surf around youtube and scroll on instagram and there's bad parts of that too but you're not going to find the oh. truth if you're just going to work and you're going to school if you're if you're too busy if if you're living the regular suburban life or whatever you don't have any time to do anything else yeah i, I totally agree dude Whew, ryan <clears throat> you fucking came you saw you kicked ass uh give the cartel uh my audience um your plugins yeah, this was way more intense than I expected, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, actually. That's <laughs> pretty good. Okay. Yeah, so, well, I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. And, yeah, thank you, Davey, for having me. I have this website, noticebooks.org. Notice is spelled not us, notusbooks.org. There, you can find everything I do. You can find all my social medias, multiple Instagram accounts, YouTube accounts, I've even got that website I was talking about earlier, wagthedogtheory.com. I'm starting to work on the fourth version of that now. I think the, over 10 hours now, I think, between the three parts, one, two, and three that I've got up there. Those are deep end. You're not going to find a lot of that stuff on YouTube for sure. You might stumble across some of it on Instagram, but 
It's all about how everything is fake. Basically, all news is fake news. That's the conspiracy part of me. I have written several books as well. Most of them are about health. I do have one about the government. Everything the government does is bad for us. I've written a handful of books. I help publish other people's books. Uh, we are all about uh, giving out health information. We do free health recommendations, free health uh, evaluations with people. Basically, that's what we do full time. You could reach out to me through the contact on noticebooks.org, not us. And yeah, I have free versions of all my books too, uh, audio and video versions on my podcast and, and YouTube. My podcast is called Notice and Friends. Again, you can find that on notusbooks.org. Having a lot of fun with podcasts lately. My podcast is actually becoming very popular recently, just out of nowhere. Been doing it a few years, but uh, only recently it blew up. And yeah, I'm probably going on a bit long. You know, I hope you enjoyed it. I got tons more. I'm a big fan of free information as well. And I do this full time. We either make content full time or lately we've been so busy in the business that we yeah, handle people full time. We do protocols day and night. There's everywhere, everybody, not everybody, but everywhere in the world, there's people suffering with these degenerative diseases and all this stuff. So yeah, it's a uh, you know, to kind of wrap up my story there, that since I grew up in pain, it's become basically a moral obligation to do this. I, I always considered myself an artist before, and this was the last career I ever would have thought myself ending up in, you know, helping people. I don't even like people, honestly, but <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I'm not a people person, but it's, it's, I have to do this, you know, it's, it's a calling it's it's so important and like i said everybody's there's people everywhere suffering from all these different things that are completely reversible completely preventable in most how cases. could you how could you not want to help people like you don't need an excuse to help people right? well yeah morally it's the right thing to do it's just there's oh man it's it's a tough business yeah well for sure. and so many people and they're at their yeah. worst think about that right people have diseases right. people are dying i mean they're, they're at their worst they're desperate and you know yeah hundreds of people a day which is an exaggeration. Let's and say you don't, you don't, a day. it's tough. You, <clears throat> you don't even need a business as an excuse to do what you're doing, dude. I think you're doing naturally what God wants you to do. And I think, you know, I, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your, your thoughts and feelings with the world, dude. Like it's, it is what it is, man. You're, you're in your spot. You're in your zone. I'm in mine. And uh, this is what needs to happen. I think it's fucking amazing. Yeah, awesome, man. I appreciate you bringing me on here once again. I hope you do consider going completely gluten-free. I bet you will tell me in two months, hey, man, any lingering symptoms I had are gone. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot, man. I think you – I'm pulling the trigger on it, I think. You can do it. Whew, Ryan, <clears throat> thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, all links will be in the show notes. Uh, God bless you and keep doing what you're doing, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks, everybody else. Take Thank care. you. Have, have a good one. Bye. Take care. Oh, oh, I'm on? Yes, Nigel, you're on. Dude, how did I... Why would you want me to remind you? You're, the mic is right there. The red light is on. Sorry, baby. Uh, you know, I, I got distracted a little bit with uh, Ryan Alexander there. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening to, once again, the uh, Red Pill Cartel podcast. This is Nigel the Goat speaking. 
and we really hope you enjoyed that episode and we hope you learned a lot about you know the health industry and how it is just that it is a industry and they don't care for you they're a corporation they're a dead entity right Davy? yep no souls no nothing that's how it works yes no empathy no soul no care for you you know some of some of these doctors probably care for you but they they don't know what they're doing anyway we hope you enjoyed the show and special thank you to ryan alexander for getting on the show and uh we wish the best for you we hope you're no stress, you know, no stress for Ryan, you know. Uh, keep doing what you do. And uh, give me a five-star review on Spotify or Apple, whatever you're listening on. And uh, it keeps the show growing. And we love you all, Cartel. And thank you so much. And you know, you know what Nigel always says. <laughs>